What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. A PW Torch VIP membership doesn't just give you ad-free access to these shows and a ton of other VIP-exclusive podcasts throughout the week, but you also gain access to our unmatched, vast library of wrestling history, our contemporaneous week-to-week coverage through our Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletters dating back to the late 1980s, along with streaming and download access to hundreds of retro radio shows from the 1990s, including some of my interviews with wrestling's top newsmakers in the 90s, and also our podcast library dating back to the year 2003. There's no larger longer-spanning pro wrestling podcast library than that that comes with a PW Torch VIP membership, now approaching 20 years of podcasting. Go VIP and dive into our post-pay-per-view roundtables, our coverage of some of your favorite eras of wrestling, top-name long-form interviews, and special format podcasts that we've done throughout the years. PWTorch.com slash GoVIP. We have a streamlined sign-up form, and you can pay with PayPal or directly with your credit card or debit card. In one or two minutes from right now, you can be a VIP member and diving into our library, pwtorch.com slash govip. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News and World Report, we're the 25th top paying career Make an impact as a fact seeker and a truth teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Welcome to the Deep Dive. This is Saturday, this is the Daily Cast, this is the show that talks about how everything is connected to everything else. Still no rich fan this week, he was due to be on, but unfortunately his uh, holiday cabin went down with no power. But we do have Stephanie Chase. How are you today, Stephanie? I'm very good, Well, Thank you for having me on here on The Torch. By the way, that's for the last time I'm going to call you Stephanie. That's like Stephanie Chase. I'm used to saying that, but calling you Stephanie of just your name, that yeah. is way too formal. Nobody but, uh, calls me Stephanie. Nobody calls me Stephanie. <laughs> I, I, I obviously have it with my, my name being Will. And uh, I, I once mistakenly told Benno that, like, like my dad, I don't like being called my full name. It sounds like I'm being talked to like a child. Mm-hmm. So, of course, Benno made that a, a, a recurring thing. Never tell Benno uh, your weaknesses. This is the lesson I've learned in life. <laughs> but the other thing, the other thing I have been dealing with is my, my ex-wife has told my son I had to pronounce his name wrong. So my right. son's name is William too. And William is what, because it's like Germanic, you know, it's one of these weird names where like it's got letters you don't pronounce. So you actually see it spelled phonetically closer to William in terms of how, mm-hmm. it's, how it's spelled. And she's got him trying to pronounce the second I. And I'm like, no, right. that, that's, <laughs> not how, that's not how you pronounce William. <laughs> and I, it was getting to the point where I'm like, have I been pronouncing my own name wrong the past 36 years? And having to Google up phonetic pronunciation. Anyway, this is, we are already off on a tangent um, and it's only five minutes in. Um, it's great to have you on. We have lo- loaded show. What we're going to do is test on to the first half of the show and we're going to talk about her various trips to America to watch AEW, we're also going to talk about the changes in WWE briefly, and then at the halfway point, which comes back, because yes, last week we eventually had a conversation about Doctor Who with Darren Mooney, and this show is going to do some time travel, because myself and Rich both took part in Martin Bushby's 24-hour podcast and marathon, and we did an episode of The Deep Dive, and we looked back on our joint interview with Andy Quilden uh, two years ago, but we also did uh, went through Rich's top five Brit rest, uh, wrestlers, and we have the audio, and we're going to play that to close out the show. But to begin with, going to get some cheeky plugs in, and actually let's start with your cheeky plugs because you've kind of relaunched your social media and everything after taking a bit of a hiatus. Yeah, I have. Um, I've relaunched doing um, stuff regularly on YouTube, so you can check that out, Stephanie Chase Wrestling. Uh, I just have an interview with Thunder Rosa up there. That's cool. There's an audio with Seth Rollins. There's one coming with Butch from WWE or Pete Dunne, as we used to know him. Um, And I do a live stream at least once a week now, so that's really fun. Excellent. And also, you've launched your OnlyFans. Um, so that's kind of taking the stuff you're doing on Instagram and Twitter. And yes. Here. So yes. what's the link to that for people? Um, that is OnlyFans forward slash Stephanie Chase. And I, but also Steph, you helped me with some work I've done recently because I should be out by now on the deep dive. Sorry, on the deep dive. It should be out now in the Life of London newspaper newsletter, The Roost is my article about your call 
this is this is kind of the kind of madness that affects my life and complicates my life on a daily basis. As Beth, I was I had Wednesday off. I was lying on my sofa, hideously hungover, thinking about how I actually had to go into work for a couple of hours. Uh, well, I say go into work. I had to manage a Zoom call for a couple of hours on my day off. I saw a journalist say, we really need a piece at short notice. And I pitched a piece to him, even though it was, it was my day off. And I got it accepted. But basically, it was an, it's an article all about your call, all about this kind of odd building that is half legislature, half the most prestigious, hardcore combat sports venue in, in the UK. Complete madness how the two things sit side by side. And so it's all about exploring that. Got some great, great quotes from Michael Ozu, from Rich, uh, from Andy Ogden, who in the piece I call a men's lifestyle podcaster. <laughs> Quite proud of that description for Andy. But we also get a quote, also got a quote from yourself in there, which is about the backstage of um, of your call, because obviously you have worked for Rev Pro um, as an on-screen personality at your call. And you also made your debut uh, for TNT last week. Yeah, I did. I made my debut for TNT on Sunday at their show um, at Fusion in Liverpool. Really, really fun. Um, Really great, like, atmosphere. It was an afternoon show. So it all kicked off at about 2 p.m. and was done by tea time, 6 p.m. But, yeah, I'm going to be working a lot with TNT going forward. So definitely, like, look out for me on that, um, as well as WebPro, too. Uh, but yes, TNT I started on Sunday was really good. And uh, what, what, just just to complete my finish my plug off because as I said, no look for the roost on Substack. Um, it's quite an interesting uh, uh, read if people want to find out more about London. But what are your kind of broader thoughts about your call as a venue? Um, I really like your call. Um, there's. I don't know like how to describe it because it's it's definitely more um like old school than a lot of other venues you know and i think i can really only imagine wrestling or boxing happening in it but it's good space wise you know i like the kind of layout with the balcony and everything and backstage have you ever been backstage at your call no oh it's like a total maze <laughs> um but it's good because everyone has enough space you know to get ready and stuff you could basically have a room each there but it is a very weird thing where you know on one side you would go up the stairs and then you'd have to go across and down the other side there's a lot of that so when you first come there like your first couple of times working there you can get lost <laughs> backstage at your call for sure but um, i think it's a good venue i think um the tradition of it is good. I don't know like how great it is on the fan perspective, um, you know, going into the venue and all that. But as far as working it, I think it is one of the better ones. Yeah, it's interesting. Because I, was, I, was, I, did, I couldn't confirm this to put it in. I didn't want to put something in that turned out not to be true. But based on what I've read, I think that main hall, what we think of as your call, which is only one small bit of the building, that used to be where the, the first class swimming pool was. The first um, what, sorry? The first class swimming pool. So this is back. Oh, okay. 
back for the second world war, you had a first class swimming pool, you had a second class swimming pool because you know the rich people got their nicer swimming pool, and um, that's why the backstage is so weird because right. actually it was all linked to a sw- and like it sounds really weird what it used to be like a swimming pool that could have the flooring taken out to use as a gymnasium. It sounds like a really weird thing before they refurbished it in the 50s and 60s. Um, I mean, I as a fan really like it. I mean, I think you're, the point I think you're trying to get across in terms of you, you'd only use it for wrestling or boxing is it's not a nightclub. No. You know, like a lot, a lot of Brit Rev venues are used for things like night, uh, nightclubs and yeah. wrestling just kind of borrowing space for one day of the week when they wouldn't be open otherwise. Whereas your call really is the only venue that feels like a purpose combat sports venue, which isn't yeah. like, you know, they do weddings, they do other things there, but it feels when you're in there. Yeah. Like the only reason you'd come here would be to go to see the boxing or wrestling. So it feels more like, no, those Japanese, smaller Japanese venues. So yeah. I, I really like it. I think the, the, the big advantage your call has, which is not very common in the UK. In the UK, I can't think of any small venue that has this, but the Turban Hallow in Germany has it. It's the fact that it's got a balcony. And I, my theory is, is the balcony adds so much to the sound because you have those two waves of crowd sound and it just means you feel on top of the action. The crowd noise feels on top of the action in a way it doesn't because... I'm, I'm sure you have as well. I've been to so many shows where the crowd noise just disappears into the air. Like I, the old Fight Club Pro shows got a bad rep for their crowd noise. And I'd always say, actually, if you're there, it often felt quite noisy. But if you were watching on, watching on VOD, the big ceiling, only one level of fans, meant you just the noise just didn't carry properly. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. The noise is good in in your call when you're there, and I think the balcony just adds something cool to the look of it as well. There's a good kind of um, old school feeling of people like hanging off a balcony, basically during matches, isn't there? Yeah, and I think I, I and like it's funny because both Andy and Rich said that their best spot was the balcony, and I can see that. I've watched shows on the balcony. And you can just see everything. And I really like the balcony um, in Turban Hallow as well for the same reason. But, it, but if you can get up close in your call, it really does feel like a bear pit. It really does feel like you're on top of everything. So, and it's, and it's, it's good to see it bounce back because obviously a lot of Brit Rest promotions have started to struggle. You know, we've had good basically announced they're done um, after one more show. Um, I think Wrestle. Wrestle Circus, Wrestle, Car- Wrestle Carnival is, 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 is stopping for the year after September. Um, I think Kat just said it's done. You know, there's a lot of these smaller promotions that are struggling, whereas Butchwood, your call, uh, seem, seems to be quite strong and more generally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, a lot of that's to do with the, the decision Repro made to, to tape the empty arena shows and just have content coming out during the pandemic, which I think like looking back was a really, really smart decision and it let them, you know, build a lot of people too, like your Ricky Knight Juniors or your Connor Mills. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think you really do see that now. But enough about RevPro. Let's move on to AEW because, of course, you are Miss Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Um, you were in uh, you were in America for both Forbidden Door and Double or Nothing, and I think you also made another trip recently as well. Um, you've been to how many times now have you been to America to watch AEW? So it started with Full Gear, which was about two days after they opened the borders post COVID. So Full Gear, that was November. Um, and then I stayed for their uh, Thanksgiving show in Chicago and then Revolution in February. Then I went to Boston in March and then I went to Double or Nothing in Vegas and then the Dynamite in LA. And then I went to Forbidden Door in Chicago and then Blood and Guts in Detroit. I mean, just the stamina is quite impressive. Like I've, I've <laughs> in that, just a bit before that, I've done two trips to Canada to see my son. And for those who haven't flown across the Atlantic recently, not the most pleasant experience, you know, due to all the kind of legacy of COVID restrictions. Do the Americans make you keep your mask on? Um, this was uh, the flight to Vegas was my first flight where they had stopped the masks being kept on all flights. So yeah, all the other ones I did, it was mask on, but now you don't have to keep your mask on. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Daily Cast listeners, thank you, first of all, for streaming the shows. Be sure you're subscribing. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to pro wrestling podcasts. But while you're at it, if you're not yet, please subscribe to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Search Wade Keller and see two logos pop up, a blue one and a red one. The red logo, the post shows, cover Raw and SmackDown each week with a fast turnaround time of a couple hours after the show's end. And also, every Saturday, we present a flashback to our analysis from five years ago that week, covering Raw. Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net joins me, and we analyze what happened on Raw five years ago. So check out that time capsule 
every weekend. The Blue Logo Show features the Thursday flagship, plus our first-run interviews, our classic interviews, and our mailbag segments. So, again, search Wade Keller and click subscribe to both the Red Logo and the Blue Logo. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. My, my, my trip back from Canada, my last trip back from Canada in April, I got so drunk because I had quite a weak air stewardess who would give me alcohol when I asked for it. And <laughs> constantly asking for... Um, uh, more more whiskey was the only way to get be allowed to take my mask off. <laughs> That's a good excuse. <laughs> it was. But um so I mean of of the areas you've been, I mean we should get out of the way. I mean you you I think you've been quite open about this. What's the place you've been to that you least like? Oh um I gotta say it was Detroit. I did not like Detroit. Um there was really nothing to do in Detroit, like at all. Um, I was in, I guess what you would call the city center of Detroit. And, um, it was an incredible, um, experience, like coming from someone who, you know, has lived in London where there's London is like 20, a 24 seven city. And I got to Detroit and nothing like appeared to stay open past nine, like eight or nine, um, as far as like convenience stores and stuff. So it was really, really, um, it was an odd time to visit. Um, like there was one, so there was one H&M and that was it for like clothing shops in the main part. And I was just very confused. Like, I remember asking this woman, like, where do people buy clothes though? And she was like, H&M. Like, yeah, but where else? Like, no, in that H&M. Like, okay. <laughs> um, and I expected it to be like a much more, I expected there to be a lot more to do. And I was over at the same time that Braden and Davey from Post were there. 
and they were kind of having the same experience the night that we went out together it's like the first restaurant Davy wanted to go to was closed and this was at like eight o'clock the next one he turned up to had just closed and you know, by the time I got to meet them, they, they changed the meeting place like three times, you know, because everything just closes really early. Um, Davey did ask why, and he was told because it's too dangerous. So there you go. Yeah, like it's just, I mean, the one question, I've, I, I don't know what Detroit's like, um, and maybe you just not stingy of me. But like the thing I found going in Canada, my, my son lives in Alberta. So I've had um, I've had a holiday in Calgary. I've had a holiday where he actually lives, which is a place called Medicine Hat. They are nightmares to get around when you don't drive. Mm-hmm. Because everything is so spread out and everything is so difficult to get to. It's not, you know, you're comparing it to London, but even where I live, it's a very small city in the UK, Wolverhampton. Things are on top of each other and even if you have to get taxi it's not too long but Detroit the way you were describing it Detroit sounds like it's not just that everything's shut it's that like there's not much of it and it's quite sure to get around as well yeah like very much so um and then the venue itself um I don't personally like think it was a very good venue for blood and guts just because it did not have screens set up the way there usually is at these shows. So it, I thought like it created, I felt like I missed quite a bit of the match, you know, once they, top, they were on top of the cage, like I had a second row seat, but we really needed like some screens to be turned on to see what was actually going on when they went on top of the cage and stuff, because I, I couldn't see at all. <laughs> um, I mean, the whole thing looked so impressive, but as far as, um, the, the actual venue went, I didn't think it was that great either. And I don't think the venue also had any idea that wrestling would be popular because all the usual kind of bars and restaurants that you would see, you know, attached to a big venue, most of them were just shut that night <laughs> instead of, you know, being open to like cater to all these fans that they had. That's bizarre. You think, you think they just know from the ticket sale. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was really odd. The work means, I mean, this is the thing, like, when you go to live shows, it sounds so stupid, and I suppose it, it does kind of call into question, what are we doing here? Why don't we just stay at home and watch on TV? But where the screens are positioned is really important. I remember once, I think it was, um, oh, I'm, I'm blanking on what it's called, but it's the Polish MMA uh, company. They did a show in London, uh, KSW. And somehow they managed to put the screen behind the media desk. So like wow. you're at ringside trying to look at the fight. And, and like, if you ever watch MMA, whenever it goes onto the ground and you're ringside, you pretty much have to look at the screen. Mm-hmm. Your, eye, your, eye, your eye line, you basically can't see on top of the rest or on top of the fighters. So like the minute you went to the ground, you're having to like twist your neck around to see the screen. And it's like, what are we doing here, guys? Come on. <laughs> I know what you mean. Like, especially the, the fact that it was in a cage anyway, you already have that, like, little bit of obstruction. But then, you know, like, doing stuff on top of it and no screens. It's just, yeah, I wish that I wish that had been better. 
and so many guys in as well. Yeah, yeah, so um, many. So um, you've been to, I mean, obviously that was for Troy. Now, you've been to Chicago quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, what makes Chicago special? Well, Chicago's like my absolute favorite. Um, Chicago has a really cool vibe. And I think I've, I've done pretty well with my visits because I went first in November. So it was absolutely freezing, which I don't mind, you know, too much being from the UK, but I got that like very cold Chicago that people tell you about. And then when I was there for Forbidden Door, it was absolutely roasting. Um, it was so hot there. <laughs> so I got to experience it like the two different, you know, sides of how it can be. But the city is it's really just it's cool. I like how there is the the river like separating it the north and the south bit and it's actually I think pretty easy to get around because I'm someone that walks a lot. I like to walk everywhere and it's pretty easy to figure out as far as um American cities go. And it's really um it's like I had been living in London for a long time for like 10 years and I think I got to a point with London where it's it's just kind of too much and that's really how I feel about New York which I'd say is like the American equivalent to London where Chicago is just right it's more like a Manchester or Liverpool or something like that it's just got the right amount of stuff going on there's a right number of shops and bars and restaurants like you it's not like detroit you're always entertained in chicago you can always find something to do like there's always good party atmosphere and everything but it's not like how if you're in new york you can barely walk down the street because it's so crowded and it's so loud chicago's like a kind of more chilled version of like new york so i think that's why i like it so much and i don't know i just think it's just so cool and maybe that's just me being like a cm punk fan or something but you just get the vibe that this is like the kind of cool more like left-wing city or like more punk city than some of the other places that you know you might be visiting there's just got that great like edge to it yeah i mean it's interesting you mentioned that you compare it to manchester and liverpool because obviously you know America doesn't really have the same hang-up on who its second city is that we do because the capital is very, is actually quite small in terms mm-hmm. of Washington State. But like, I've, I know I've read stuff, you hear stuff about people from Chicago, they do seem to have this kind of rivalry with New York. Yeah. They very clearly position themselves as a counter to in the same way, arguably, that Liverpool and Manchester try and position themselves as a counter to uh, London. But yeah, I could see, I could see that comparison. What Is about... It... Oh, go on. Well, I was going to say, you know, I have just moved to Liverpool um, about two weeks ago. And part of my kind of decision-making in that was, like, I love Chicago so much, and that's ultimately where I want to live. And, you know, it's not, it's not that easy. It's not as easy to just move there with, you know, immigration and everything. And I... I was just hating London so much, but I had that idea that I think can be ingrained in you sometimes, especially if you want to do things in media or entertainment, that like London is the place you have to be, like you have to live in London, that type of thing. And I just, it occurred to me when I was in America, like, hang on, if you 
if you were if you got the chance to move to America, where you would move to is Chicago. It would not be New York. It would not be Los Angeles, Hollywood, whatever. And you'd still want to be doing the exact same stuff that you're doing. So why is it okay to live somewhere like Chicago in America, but it's not okay to just leave London and move to another city that's not as big, but still a city in the UK. So when I thought about it like that, I was like, yeah, fuck it, I'll move to Liverpool. <laughs> you would hope, I mean, it, it is interesting. I mean, I, I mean, I'm quite happy with where I've ended up. You know, I've, I've dug myself a nice little rut in my life and I enjoy my rut. Um, but there, there was when I was younger, there were aspirations to go into politics or to go into journalism in a more serious dimension. And I think if I was to give, if I was to give my younger self, my younger self, stupid ambition, um, advice, it would it would kind of be the similar thing to you, you know, go, go and get go to university in London. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where you made the connection. But you would hope that things like the greater use of the internet, distributing journalism, things like Zoom, make that a thing of the past because. Yeah. You know, if I can, you know, we're doing this with American website. You know, I'm in Wolverhampton, you're in Liverpool. The listeners will be all over the world, primarily in America. Why does every British journalist have, have to go and camp out in some studio in London? Yeah. No, absolutely. Like, even just being here a couple of weeks, like, everything has just become easier because i'm not in london it's enabled me to do so much more stuff you know i can just get somewhere way better to live like for the same price i'm literally in liverpool city center so like all the shops are right in my doorstep so i don't even have to spend any time like i just for example today i just went and um, posted some stuff that I sold on my store, cheap plug, stephaniechias.bigcartel.com. But anyway, just going to do that took me about like less than 10 minutes. Whereas where I lived in London, that would be a day out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think there's one of these things where like, I I could never live in London because I'm not organized enough. Mm-hmm. Like reality, I mean, it may not be true. Like, Liverpool may be too big to do this, but where I live, Worst case scenario, you wake up late or you're just being lazy. You can always get a taxi to where you need to go. Yeah. Like the idea of having to do like a pre-stop tube journey to get to work every every day, mm-hmm. I, I would not be able to impose that on myself, let yeah. alone do stuff like that if I want to go to the shop or go out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, just, I like things on my doorstep um, uh, too much. Um. Talking of Chicago, um, have, you know, one of the things I've always been interested in Chicago as somebody who's never actually even been to America, something I need to do at some point. I've kind of gone to Canada and I've gone to the Caribbean, I've somehow missed South America. Wow. What is Chicago pizza like? Because that looks very different to normal pizza, but I'm intrigued. I only had it once, to be honest, because I'm not that big a pizza person. And I had it one night. I think I might have had it on my birthday when I was drunk. And I don't even think I can give a good review of it. Um, It was good, but it wasn't life changing. But I think I probably need to do it again where I'm guided by someone who really knows what they're talking about and where to get the pizza and where to get the best one and to sit down and eat it. But 
I'm not that big a pizza person, so it wasn't like on my list of things to do the way everyone talks about it. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Did you know we also have a website? PWTorch.com. Daily news updates, editorials, and my live TV coverage covering Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown, and my live pay-per-view coverage for WWE and AEW. Create a tab or bookmark, make it a daily stop, visit us throughout the day, every day, to keep up on breaking news and more. That's pwtorch.com. So what was on your agenda was going to watch AEW. Mm-hmm. So it shows you what's in Chicago, which was the best. Oh, that's hard. Um... So the Thanksgiving show I went to was amazing, but that might just be me being me because I wanted to go to Chicago so much. Um, and, and then I extra wanted to see AW in Chicago because when Punk made his return in Chicago, that's when the travel ban was still happening. And I, just, I think that was one of the saddest moments of my life having to watch that on TV. Not that it wasn't great to actually just see it, but it really felt like, I've missed something here that would have been so special to me that, you know, it's never going to happen again. Like he's never going to return after like seven years away again. So when I saw him in Chicago on the Thanksgiving show, it was a proper emotional experience. It felt like, wow, like the biggest sign to me that this whole awful pandemic thing, you know, might actually be over. And it was the night that, um, him and MJF did the really long promo um, at the start, which I think that maybe people at home didn't like as much as people in the building because in the building to have MJF come out, who's such a great heel, like the best heel in the business and go against CM Punk in Chicago like that was really, really special. The crowd was so into it. and. After the show, you know, they did the, if you go to an AEW show afterwards, Tony always comes out to talk, to say goodbye. And then they bring out some wrestlers. So they obviously brought out Punk. And I was actually crying at the end of it. I was actually crying. <laughs> because, um. I don't know you, my God. No, I was, I was just so happy to be there. And like, I actually, when I left the, um venue i was still crying like i i called ben i was still crying being like i just saw cm punk in chicago <laughs> ben i was crying on the other end of the uh, phone as well <laughs> um, i i always find stuff like that does it not make when you kind of look back on your own behavior about and stuff like that yeah it makes you realize how ridiculous being a wrestling fan is yeah like we, we are so trained to kind of have you ever watched the South Park parody of WWE? Yes. And it's like, yeah, they were really onto something, weren't they? <laughs> it just makes you realize, like, do you ever get sometimes 
I'll sit back for just for a second. You know, if I'm doing something or something happens, like to do with wrestling, just for a second, I'll be like, hang on. What I've dedicated all my time to and energy to is wrestling. That's kind of silly. <laughs> and like, obviously, you know, I, com- I completely love it. And it was, it's just like you sometimes need that moment to like step back and almost analyze yourself of like, what, what are we doing? But yeah, I think when you find yourself like as a growing woman, like traveled halfway across the world and like you're in tears because a man who's from Chicago, kind of, you've seen him now in Chicago and that's made you cry. It's like, what? <laughs> But I don't regret crying. No, no, no. This is, this is like I think I think we all do it, don't we? I mean, yeah. unfortunately, I don't choose my heroes, uh, my wrestling heroes, as well as you. Because like <laughs> mine are like Chris Benoit and my club pro, and it's just like, oh no, what have I done? Oh. I think Benoit made a lot of people cry though, too. In fairness. That's true, that's true. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that show was really good, and then. Um, the Forbidden Door show, I was next to Rich Fans. That really helped. Um, uh, that like added to my enjoyment of the show, but I think I preferred um, the setting of the Thanksgiving one. That was that was Wintrust. It's hard to like get all the names of the different arenas in, in Chicago, but the Forbidden Door show, I will say, in person, it felt extremely special. It was just a badly built show, but once once it kicked off in the arena, it was really really great to be there. What's the um? Obviously, you've watched, you've watched like quite a few Dynamite, quite a few pay per view. How would you say is the difference in terms of being at being live for a TV taping compared to a pay per view? For TV taping compared to a pay per view? Yeah, so, um, so what's, what's the difference in terms of how the shows are paced? Your, what you what you take out of them hmm, that's hard um i think the so if you're live at a dynamite you get all the dark stuff beforehand and i'm not a big fan of that i think there's too much of that i'm you know i'm kind of someone that i'm not into the support bands before a gig and i think that there can be a little bit too much of the dark tapings and then they have I feel like this is quite the problem when it comes to what to do with Rampage because if you go to a normal Dynamite, like for example, the one I went to in Boston was not connected to any pay-per-view or any show. It was just a standard Dynamite. So that was extremely long. You had the dark taping beforehand, you had the Dynamite, and then you had Rampage. But then I've been to um, two or three standalone Rampages and that's the problem of it like that's just not enough you know like the hour of rampage it feels like it's kind of not worth them taping rampage solo and then i do kind of feel like as well if they do it before the pay-per-view and the one in minnesota before full gear i think was the biggest example of that that felt like a show where they did not want to give anything away you know, they were there in Minnesota and there was no CM Punk on that rampage, for example. And at the end of it, people were like, yes, yeah, so we're CM Punk. And I was just like, yeah, they want you to pop for that tomorrow. So he's not coming. <laughs> so that show felt like kind of a nothing show. So 
I think that's really a problem. Like they're really, really long. <clears throat> the dynamite tapings are really, really long. And then the pay-per-views are very long as well. Um, but kind of like less like fluff at the beginning. As far as the crowd, the pay-per-view, I think you get a lot more people who aren't um, AEW hardcores. I think you get more kids and stuff or families that just decided because it's a big wrestling show that might be more like WWE people. Whereas I think when you go to Dynamite, it's a kind of a, not like a cult atmosphere, but it's kind of a an atmosphere of like, yeah, we're like a family or whatever into this cool thing that's not mainstream even though it totally is because it's on tbs and they're selling out these arenas but it feels more like cool kids thing and dynamite and then the pay-per-view i think brings in a lot more people that you'll hear sitting there that don't really know who anyone is that's interesting mm-hmm. on, on 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 rampage i think they even need to get do like we're gonna but we're gonna record a bunch of rampages as one show Mm-hmm. And then we'll just spread them out over a month. Or to be honest, the viewing figures are low enough now. You could probably experiment with it all being pre-taped and do, you know, like how they do the um, road to shows. Yeah, that's some, of the, that's some of the best that AEW does. Yeah, just make Rampage more fat. Like they did three hundred thousand people um, last Friday. I I don't think the pre-tape would do any worse, and it'd be it'd be fun. But yeah, I, I think Rampage isn't quite easily fitting into their schedule. As no, they it's not. I think that they have a, quite a big problem with Rampage right now. I know when it started, you know, Tony Tony did the promoter thing of saying, you know, not there's no such thing as a B show, but there is. Um, and given the time slot of Rampage, the fact that it's half the length of Dynamite, it already gives you that impression that it's probably not appointment viewing. And I think like we had CM Punk come back on Rampage and that's the biggest thing that was ever going to happen on a Rampage ever. And there have been some good matches on Rampage, big matches, but the past couple of months, um, especially I think with, with Ring of Honor coming into the picture, Rampage has become, it, it's felt way less important and you can see that in the viewing figures and there's almost a, they kind of just throw people and things on Rampage that you know you, you don't really need to watch. And that's um, a huge problem. They need to, I think they need to find some way to reinvent it, find another angle to do with it. And maybe, yeah, put on some of those great things you see on Road 2 because it's another problem they have as well. They do put out these great Road 2s, like the one before Jericho Kingston barbed wire match. Kingston's bit on Road 2 was amazing and they did not show that and on Dynamite. Instead, they were putting on segments that didn't need to be there and then they lost time anyway for the main event. I, like, I get it for Dynamite because all the evidence is, and our friend, you know, Todd Martin, he's guilty of this, is mm-hmm. that people fast forward through three days. Yeah. That, that's why wrestling companies are terrified of putting them on. But... Um, yeah, Rampage might be the destination for them. You mentioned Minnesota. Yes. Um, how was visiting Minnesota? I really liked Minnesota. Um, I thought it was... Um, of course, Steph has to say that because of the proprietor. I, and uh, our dark overlord, Wade Keller, is also <laughs> from Minnesota. But I'll carry on. 
Well, I'll never forget Minnesota because that is where I met Weird Killer in person. That's one of the highlights of all my, I would tell you this, um, embar- embarrassing thing to admit on, on his platform. But when you know, going to these shows and everything, um, I do speak to a lot of wrestlers, a lot of big name wrestlers I watch on TV every week. But I was way more nervous saying hi to Weird Keller than I was to any wrestler or anyone. <laughs> it took me, I think, three days to work up the courage to say hi to Weird. So <laughs> that's how highly I think of Weird. But um, it's funny it, for me. Sorry, just quickly, uh, Steph. It's funny for me because I got into like the quote unquote um, dirt sheet wing of the of the IWC quite late. Mm-hmm. So, like, I had, you know, I, I'd listened to, like, um, 4-1 Mania and Inside Pool. Yeah. So, like, I'd grown up reading people like Scott Keith uh-huh. and got into people like Wade and Dave much later. So, like, in terms of, like, my Twitter follow, the one that gives me, like, the, oh, my God, I've been following you for ages, you're really cool, is a guy called Paul O'Brien, who uh-huh. is a wrestling fan, but a comics writer who has made it his life's work to review every X-Men comic. Wow. And I'm like, I, I remember reading you when I when I was like 18, 19 in like 2003. And now we're like Twitter followers of each other. And we talk to each other about wrestling. This is cool. I, I'm enjoying this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Minnesota, yeah, it's... It, probably maybe the most unique place I've been because, you know, they have, um, now I can't remember what it's called, but like the walkway where you're all walking inside around the whole city. I had never heard of this before. And until you, you started talking about it and it sounds like the most sci-fi thing ever. It's very, very strange. Um, and I was there, you know, it was winter time and very few people on the streets is it's you kind of i remember the first day i went out um and i was looking for like the target store and i went out in the streets and i was like there is no one here like this is so so deserted and then it suddenly hit me once i got in the store that i'd forgotten about this walkway thing and that's where everyone was you know the little corridors that connect each place and I think that's really cool, especially if you don't like the cold. So that was very cool and very unique. And it's very hard to explain to people that have never been there because it sounds so strange. But um, as a city, I, I thought it was really great. It was it was fun. I went to quite a few fun bars and people from Minnesota are super nice. And I think I'll, it will always kind of have a special place for me because it was the first one I went to after the pandemic. So absolutely like when i got to minnesota i arrived there i think at about 10 p.m at night when i finally got there checked into my hotel and that was it i was there i was in tears because i felt like i'd waited the longest time to be able to get to do something like this again like i thought it would never happen because the pandemic was so long so i definitely always have fond memories of minnesota and i hope they run it again for a pay-per-view because i'd like to go back Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net, along with other pro wrestling media members. 
Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at pwboom.com. Once again, that's pwboom.com. Yeah, no, yeah, that, that Skywalkway, it's, it's one of these ones where it's like, it's nice to have not heard of Minnesota before, mm-hmm. but I suppose it's just not a big deal to people who actually live there because it's what's always been there. Yeah. But, uh, what was the uh, show atmosphere like? The what, sorry? What was the uh, show atmosphere like? Um, it was really good. I thought, I think the people were... Um, super up for it because they hadn't got aw they may have had it before the pandemic but like a long time you know this was somewhere that's that was not florida hosting a pay-per-view so um yeah i think everyone seemed really up for it 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 was just interesting for me i had obviously never been in a city where aw is in that city for a big show so it was my first kind of experience of actually seeing like that aw has fans in person you know you'd be walking around the shops and stuff and you'd see people with their aw t-shirts on and like that was that was really cool and the city is kind of small and condensed enough that you could you know you'd run into a lot of people that were going to the show so i thought it had a really good atmosphere um for sure and that was um Oh, that I'm trying to remember what happened on that show. Yeah, that was Hangman winning the title, right? Yeah, it was. Um, and that was like such such a big moment. It's kind of been forgotten now with with what happened with Hangman afterwards. But that was one heck of a moment when it did happen. I, I'm going to do a quick plug as well. So I did a very weird article which came to me while drinking. Strange show. <laughs> these things happen to me with articles, which was um, before Daniel Bryan came back. Daniel Garcia, I did um, a kind of fake history if Daniel, if uh, Daniel Bryan, if Brian, when Brian Danielson was coming back to Daniel Garcia last week, I did a fake history of if he'd won the title at Grand Slam. Yeah. If, if Tony had done had done the kind of hot shot title change, and I was like, I wasn't ready to commit to the hot take back in September, I was, like, flirting with it. Because it was like, oh, you know, it's probably Hangman, Hangman, sign this you. But I think, looking back in retrospect, the move to make would have been Danielson wins the title of Omega at Grand Slam. And then you do Omega Hangman as a grudge match without any title on. You have Hangman win that. And then you go into the Danielson feud uh, for the title with Hangman. I think mm-hmm. I think when you look at it and you look at everything that's happened since, it would have worked out better for people. But I understand why they felt they couldn't do that. They had to kind of honour Hangman yeah. in his win back and winning the title. Um, this, this is kind of with the benefit of hindsight. Um, yeah. Talking of uh, Hangman's title reign, you got to see the end of it in Las Vegas, which I'm going to guess is a bit busier than uh, Minnesota. Oh, yeah. Las Vegas was fun. Las Vegas was, like, too much fun. It took me a long time to recover from that. But, yeah, I got to see Punk win. 
from Hangman in, in Vegas and I cried again because Punk won the title and Punk just makes me cry always. Um, this is probably the third or fourth time that I've cried over Punk this year, but that was really cool. And it was amazing though, how split the crowd were because Punk is so popular. And I think the way that Hangman was booked because in my opinion, he was booked badly as the champion because he was not booked as the main guy because they have all these other people now. They have Punk and they have Brian and they really kind of took the shine off Hangman. But the reaction he got in Vegas showed that there is a lot of love and support for him there that really should have been used better when he was champion, you know, to have like almost a split crowd when it's when you're against CM Punk is pretty amazing. But that moment was was so great. Punk winning the title was just felt like it was meant to be. And then, you know, a couple of days later, it just all fell apart, didn't it? And then I was there as well. <laughs> oh, so were you there when the announcement was made? I, no, I was there when I think when he think he I think oh, he yeah. did it, you know, <laughs> in LA. Um, yeah, but I think when it comes to the Vegas, the Vegas Double or Nothing shows, I think I'll absolutely remember Punk winning the title as the main thing. But I do think the kind of the MJF stuff overshadowed that quite a bit, especially if you were in Vegas, you were thinking about what the heck is going on with MJF. Am I about to run into MJF in a casino right now? You know, that kind of thing. Um, I think that Double or Nothing kind of ended up uh, the experience of it. There's quite a lot about MJF. And then I was there in LA when he did that, you know, amazing promo where he called Tony a mark and then we've never seen him since. Before we go into LA, just one thing about uh, Vegas. Again, I mean, this is something like, again, like, having been a hardcore USD fan covering it at one point, you know, I've been looking to Vegas for years. Mm-hmm. And this idea that all the hotels are interconnected so you don't go have you don't have to go out on the strip. It's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That's really clever. Um like the way the Americans think of ways to hide from the elements is yeah. quite impressive. Whereas we're like, bring it on, you know, if your song is a bit more bad, only mad dogs and Englishmen go out in the uh, midday sun. But um, how did you find the rest of Vegas in terms of uh, um, uh, as a tourist destination? Um, It's awesome, but I wouldn't recommend going more than once a year. Not that I think anyone would go to Vegas more than once a year, but it's nonstop. It's really good. Um, So I went with Benno and for people like me and Benno who stay up very late and there's a time difference. And when you're in America, like it never stops in Vegas. The casino is going all night. There's always something to do. It's the exact opposite of Detroit. So for us, it was perfect. And we like to walk as well. And we actually stayed in a hotel that was slightly off the strip. It was about 20 minute walk to the strip, but it looks like from what they're doing that they're building the strip outwards towards it. But for us, that was great because we enjoy walking and 
we we then got to stay somewhere that was just a little bit away from the actual craziness but like that's the best holiday i've ever had been in vegas it was wild there was so much to do going to fremont street was amazing it was just a non-stop like 24 7 party and to have like a week like just like a blowout week like that where you just go crazy because you're in vegas was awesome vegas and dc are the two places i most want to go to in america mm -hmm. oh no i want to do the kind of boring political nerd stuff in dc go and see the capital go and see the white house etc etc but then yeah vegas vegas sounds vegas sounds so much fun um, oh yeah the um so you went to you went to los angeles la yeah um, uh, how was la um la was really good it wasn't my first time in la it was maybe my like my fourth time but we stayed for two days in Hollywood, which is where I would usually stay. And like, I think Hollywood's great. It's proper, it's proper grimy and <laughs> it's not what you'd expect. It's, um, yeah, it's just, it's quite, quite dirty and low rent and stuff. And so Benno was, I think, totally shocked by it and um, because he'd just been to Vegas. I don't think he enjoyed it as much as if he had not been to Vegas um, and been to Hollywood, you know, instead. But I, I really liked it. Um, I like seeing all the cheesy, like, Walk of Fame stuff. And then I like going out to, like, Sunset Strip area or the WeHo area. Um, it's really fun. It's kind of reminds me a bit of London because there's these different pockets of areas, but the total negative is how spread out it is. You know, it's like you have to get a cab to everything. It's all so far apart. Um, and then we moved to a hotel that was near the venue for the night of the show, which was the smart thing to do. Um, and yeah, the show, um, the the venue was really cool it was there was a lot of like outdoor bits and stuff that i thought was proper nice um and it felt more like a theater than the usual place where you go to watch a big wrestling show it had like more of a a theater vibe so that was that was cool um i think that it didn't feel the only thing i'd say is it did not feel like this big special event dynamite the way I think they wanted you to make it feel like um, with it forum, being in LA. Yeah. The forum's quite small, isn't it? Like that. Yeah. It's not the biggest venue. Yeah. It's it's a small venue and I think but I do think like they wanted it to be like, wow, you know, we're in LA, we're at the forum or whatever. I don't think they made as good use of the fact that they were in there that that they should have but the venue itself was was really cool and as far as all the venues i've been to for aw the venue in vegas and the venue in la had the best facilities of any of them i thought stretching we didn't talk about the uh the vegas venue what what did you make it was the mg was mgm wasn't it? it was the t-mobile was was where the pay-per-view was and then yeah mgm was where the other shows were um i thought the t-mobile was great it had an outdoor terrace which is always a five-star thing to have for me um it had lots of different food options and drink options so that's probably my favorite venue i've ever been to and the la one was the same outdoor bits lots of different food and drink options so they were really great
have we covered everywhere you've been? Or is there anywhere I've missed? I get the horrible feeling I've missed somewhere. I think we've covered everywhere. I mean, I have been to Boston, but I don't think that's even worth talking about. Boston was fine. <laughs> it was fine. It wasn't bad like Detroit. It wasn't amazing like Chicago. It wasn't wild like LA and Vegas. It was just fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the most Boston thing to say about Boston. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the one thing I suppose I'd be interested in, because I've not really, I've not done this for a major wrestling event, unless you count TNA in Manchester, um, about, I think, like 2013, a major event. But um, I have been for UFC. Um, it's a, it is different when you're going up to press, you know, just stuff that you've got to do beforehand, afterwards. How have you found, actually, work in these events as AEW, uh, as press, uh, covering the event, going to the after, the after shows? Um, it's good. Um, I don't really have any negatives to say about it. I, w- I will say, I don't want to be a complainer, but the scrums are too long is the only big negative that I would give to it. Um, because, I, I mean, the show I went to in Vegas, I honestly think I was in that building when you add the the show plus the scrum. I was in that building longer than I was on the plane. (laughs) You know? (laughs) And that's that's wild. It took me a second to compute what you were saying. It's like, oh my God. That's wild. And I think the one in, in Vegas, I think, had the longest scrum and I would just curb that a little bit or offer refreshments as in maybe just some water because these venues they usually close all their um, concession stands before the main event yeah and I remember in in the show in Vegas like pleading with a man um, that worked at the venue to please sell me a water or a Diet Coke using, like, actually saying to him, you don't understand. I now have to go to a scrum <laughs> and sit for, like, t- two or more hours, and I am so thirsty. And that's kind of just how it's like. They, they are – the scrums are too long. They, they have improved since the one at Full Gear, I have to say. Um one at full gear the format of them um was just people shouting questions which turned into just a select number of about three men shouting questions um which never really works like that one uh embarrassingly uh, cm punk had to tell a guy he shouted over me when i had started my question <laughs> you know <laughs> like directly to him um so they've changed that format and made it more like you know they they people kind of raise their hands or give a nod and they actually say who's next type thing. So I do um, commend them for taking that on board. But I would just say the, the length is the only bad thing. Like you get good seats, um, you're treated extremely well. Um, and, you know, I just try and enjoy it as a fan and, and then, you know, go to the scrum afterwards. But yeah, my only, my only qualm is the length, which wouldn't be that bad if I had a soft drink maybe. Support us on Patreon starting at $4.99. Get these shows ad-free and bonus VIP content. That's $4.99 on Patreon. 
patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. That's patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. That is the quickest, cheapest, and easiest way to support us and enjoy these shows with a streamlined listening experience. The Wade Keller Post Shows, Podcasts, and the PW Torch Daily Casts, plus some random VIP bonus content. You need to get them to feed you. Like, with, like every MMA show I've done, and even Progress, I've done press, I've done press at Progress events, we you know we were given drinks, we were given food. You know, when I, I did the UFC, that was during the ninth UK time. Yeah. Um, the one in Manchester, Bisping Henderson. And for that one, they not only gave us uh, dinner, they only gave us an evening meal. They actually gave us breakfast. And after That's the amazing. With them. And, you know, you, you would be able to keep going back into the press area mm-hmm. and uh, get drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, there was some idiot on Twitter, and there are many. To, um, I can't remember which show this was. He discovered that journalists are friends. And right. so I'd share, I think we tweeted a photo of you, another journalist, as if you were like the Illuminati. Oh, at uh, dinner in Minnesota? Yeah. Dinner photo? Yes. Yeah. Um, what is, but what, but what is the kind of, uh, what, what is the vibe amongst journalists? You know, do you get to know each other? You know, do you have laughs? Is, is there a sense of community? And then particularly you as somebody who isn't, who, for obvious reasons, isn't necessarily there every show because you're flying in. Um, yeah, I think that there there is a nice sense of community. There is some some of them are super super nice and super friendly. And I remember when there was all that about the dinner photo. That was so stupid. And I just thought. I think I even tweeted this at the time. Like, isn't it? nicer that we're all having dinner together rather than being rivals considering we work in this weird stupid business where like words like scoops are used you know and uh, sourcing and all that kind of stuff i think it's pretty nice that everyone can have dinner together um but yeah i think everyone's everyone's super nice um i never have any problems i think it is difficult for me you know, I'm from the UK, so I am a little bit of an outsider. Like everyone knows everyone um, better than they know me. And yeah, but I don't have a problem. It's weird. Like I am, I'm not like bigging myself up, but I am like, I am the only UK journalist who has made any sort of an effort with AW to actually go to any of their pay-per-views now gone to like all of them. And, um, but I don't know, I, I, I don't think anyone kind of gets that. I think they just like as, assume cause I do it, other people must, but like, no, like nobody else has been ours to, to do that. <laughs> um, so yeah, it is hard, like kind of being like the one from the UK cause you're not really in like the same groups. And I'm kind of very, um, you know, like a solo person anyway. And especially now I am like, very much trying to do my own thing, um, you know, where, whereas a lot of people kind of all kind of work for the same places as well as doing their own thing. But yeah, I've really enjoyed it. There's, I can't say anything bad about any of the other journalists I've met. I haven't seen any fights or confrontations, just had some nice oh. dinner. <laughs> That's what we wanted to find out. We wanted to find out about the fight. 
<laughs> oh well, next, next time. I will um, say, I will say as a scoop, I'm pretty sure I didn't pay for my dinner that day. <laughs> yeah, I honestly think that I accidentally went to the bathroom when everyone was paying individually, and then I came back and it was all over. Oh, uh, well, you know, you're British ish, British Irish. <laughs> we, 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 we don't tip. No, we, we don't. We don't. We don't tip like the Americans. Don't tip. Um, sometimes don't even pay. <laughs> well, I said like you shouldn't pay. You know, like this was UFC. Mm-hmm. No, you, you'd have you'd have had that meal at the arena, um, and it would have been free courses, and it'd have been free. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you're following the you're following the wrong promotion. I have had some very nice uh, food and drinks courtesy of WWE before, not to start a not to start a rivalry between the two companies, but I have. <laughs> yeah, actually, this is really like people always accuse you of like accuse journalists of um, oh you only you only talk nicely about the companies that give you free tickets or give you stuff. Yeah. Of the British wrestling promotions that still exist, I am by far most complimentary about Rev Pro. We have Andy Cruden on this show uh, every now and again. He's never given me anything. He doesn't give me a free ticket. He doesn't give me a free meal. He doesn't give me a free meal. And that's, that's cool. He didn't have to. Yeah. Uh, not the current regime, because they hate my cuts. Um, but the old regime in progress, I, I must have gotten six or seven events pressed. And some of them, there was food. All of them, there was there were there was stuff for you to drink. No spirits, sadly, um, but there was coke for me to drink and beer for everybody else to drink. Like I got a lot more from Progress, even though I was critical of Progress than Rev Pro. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. link because at the end of the day, your ticket and your food for the arena is a very small part of what it costs to go and cover an event. Yeah. You're not going to fly over to America to cover AEW because they give you a free ticket. Yeah. You're going because you want to go to the show um, yeah. because that's actually what, what most of the money is spent on. You're only going to do that if you want to go. That's the thing for like people when I've had arguments on, on Twitter with people or people have decided to like come for me over the AEW stuff. Um, yeah, I get a free ticket to the show. Like that's it. I'm paying for my flights. I'm paying for my hotels. That's not cheap. If being someone from the UK, if like I have way more chance of getting everything paid for if I was covering WWE, you know, to to go to a Royal Rumble or or WrestleMania, that would quite possibly be all free. Um, But nothing like other than getting a free ticket, like I'm, I'm not getting anything else. I, I don't get anything to be able to agree. They hate my guts. <laughs> I, I was, do you remember they did the shows at Royal Albert Hall for the UK? Uh, yeah, I was there. Um, they refused to give me a free ticket. Oh they said gosh. they were they said they were full. Uh, and like I was writing for a local newspaper, so like they would have gotten. And I was like, I will give you a preview. I can get a preview for you to try and sell some tickets for these shows. To like Pete Dunn, Trent Seven, Tyler Bates fans, and they said no. We 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 have no seats to you. Sorry. Oh my god, that was the first pressing I ever did. I took it as a badge of honor. 
um, this has been an absolute blast. Um, um, and the final question on this, then we'll very briefly, we've gone way over our fan time, but we'll very briefly talk about what the, the other topic we're going to talk about. Of all your experiences traveling over uh, America for following AEW, obviously it's all been in America. You've not gone to Canada, the Great White North. Mm-hmm. There is the Toronto shows coming up. Are you planning to go? And uh, what do you expect if you do go? So I'm not, I'm not planning to go to the, to the Toronto shows. Sorry to disappoint uh, everyone. Um, I think that it's, I think they should have held off debuting in Toronto um, from when they've done it. Like from what I've heard, kind of the analysis on it from people that know way more than me about Toronto and venues and stuff. Um, I think maybe they kind of like jumped the gun on when they should do it because they'd already been waiting so long. So, um, wait for a bigger venue. Yeah, wait for a bigger venue, or and maybe give them a ver like a big deal event, even like a pay per view, but instead of a dynamite. You know, we don't know where full gear is going to be. That's always the wild card. I was thinking it could be Toronto this year, uh, and now I'm thinking no. But the Toronto show, um, what date is it? Is October right? Yeah, sometime in October. So there was a lot of talking that Toronto might get uh, all out, which I always thought was unlikely. I, I think that's yeah, always... I never thought that. Like, when they hadn't announced um, where it would be, I knew it was going to be in Chicago. I just thought that they were trying to figure out what venue, and unfortunately, they picked the now arena, but whatever. <laughs> but, the, yeah, the Toronto one, also, like, the time doesn't really work for me to go because it is in October, and I've got... So I'm going to All Out. Um, that's beginning of September. So I'll be leaving here end of August. I'm going to stay in Chicago for two weeks. Then I'm going to come home for some stuff here. And then I might most probably head to New York for Arthur Ashe. And then obviously November time is full gear. So I think going to Toronto would be just pushing it too much. <laughs> yeah. I got there. I haven't mentioned this. So I was in Canada for Grand Slam. Mm-hmm. It was, it was like, oh. Do I go? I mean, New York was too far away, so I was like, you know what? I can't really do Grand Slam, and it's sold out anyway. Yeah. Um, but like, then you had the Gresham Suzuki match that that weekend, and I was like, oh, could I get to LA? And then I remembered I was looking after a, a, um, a, a five year old, and I was like, <laughs> not sure five year olds are allowed at the DCW show. Yes. <laughs> So it's okay. I, I took him to watch Joey Janela beat up a fifteen-year-old girl. He'll be fine. <laughs> I took him to. I, I took him when he was two years old to see Walter beat up uh, Tanaka. Oh wow! Um, and he he was not impressed. <laughs> That's amazing. But um, but that has been an absolute blast. Um, and I I suppose your the kind of the shortened version of this chat is. If you want to travel to America uh, to watch AEW, do. Don't go to Detroit and probably don't go to Boston either. But who else? Go to Chicago. (laughs) Go to Chicago. Um, Very quickly, because we are way over time, as is often the case when I'm doing shows. Um, Love changing WWE. 
Triple H is in charge, which honestly, the Observer Award needs a best comeback award. Yes. And we need to see who wins as Triple H or Stephanie, because these are head-snappingly rapid comebacks mm-hmm. from where both of them were, you know, literally three months ago. Yeah. Um, you're more positive about Triple H than I am, is my impression. You think he's going to make a difference? You know what? I actually, I do. Um, I'm not like overly optimistic where I think that it's all of a sudden going to be like the best uh, wrestling product it can possibly be or anything like that. But I do think it's going to become, I think it's going to become a lot more watchable. And I think, um, I do think that where it's really going to shine, and I'm seeing this already, even though you probably should not make a judgment in under two weeks, but is the women's division. I think that has been Triple H's greatest strength when he was in NXT, as much as people talk about um, all the great NXT matches, whatever. But I think that him um, seeing something in the women, treating the women better, is his greatest you know legacy so far because the whole you know uh, divas revolution nonsense main roster stuff is, is silly but triple h he was he started presenting women well um before before the main roster would and i think he always did do that i think he has like a, a good connection with them and i think he sees them as you know actual athletes in a way that Vince was never going to see them. And maybe that comes from, you know, his past with China, even though whatever went down there, but he at least in the beginning recognized what China could be when Vince did not recognize that, you know, when he first brought her in and and brought that idea. So I do think that where his greatest strength is going to be is with the women. I think we saw that at SummerSlam. I thought the Becky-Bianca match was really great. They're great anyway. But then the bringing out Bailey, the bringing back Dakota Kai, which was a, a, a great move of like him, you know, the first person that he decided, right, you're coming back now that I'm in charge. And then finally giving Io Shirai a shot in the main roster because she's been wasted in NXT. Um, and even how... They did things on Raw last night, Monday night as well. I just feel like he's he's going to make the women's division even better. He's going to give them proper storylines, proper time, make them taken taken more seriously. I think I even see that from it wasn't the best finish, but Liv going over Ronda and not just having Ronda beat Liv Morgan because she's Liv Morgan. I think that that's where he'll shine and. Coincidentally, the women's division is where AW struggles. So I think that the real kind of battle to be had between the two companies might boil down to the women. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at Peter Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. 
There's always a place for Reston's past in the Paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger, and our I Was There When shows, where a guest will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the ProRest Paradise. Detailed PWF Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices, or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually would agree with all of that, and I think we can also add the rumours, which I think I think everybody kind of expected, that with Vince gone, the path has been cleared for Naomi and Sasha Banks yeah. to the promotion. I think the thing to me is, I think Triple H's great strength is he, obviously he was somebody really benefited from Vince Russo's so genuinely, genuinely quite innovative idea that mid-carders get storylines too. Yeah. But, like, we are so used to this that we forget that this was Vince Russo not knowing how wrestling it book. You look at the classic WWF in the 80s. You even look at uh, WCW in the early years of Nitro. The mid-card was kind of all over the place. You look at the, some of those great WCW uh, pay-per-views in 96, 97. The mid-card matches are literally thrown together. It's like, oh, here's a cruiserweight title match, and it's with these guys. Here's a six-man yeah. tag. And Vizrusa was like, no, we're going to give everybody storyline. Yeah. And uh, Triple H was one of those people to benefit from it. He was, in 98, a bigger star as the leader of a mid-card faction than yeah. he had been as second-in-command to Michael the year before. Wouldn't have happened without Russo's rise to power because Vince would never let a mid-card faction leader be more important than a second-in-command to a uh, main eventer. That, that, that just wasn't Vince McMahon's way he booked, the way most people didn't book. And so, like, I think stuff that is traditionally been seen as, quote-unquote, mid-card in wrestling will do well in Triple H, and that does include women. Not saying they should be seen as mid-card, but they have yeah. officially. But also tag teams. But like I think uh, tag teams will be stronger under Triple H. I think I mean you've already seen it with this Bailey team, which is a great faction. You'll get more factions because that's always been something Triple H just like the book. The thing I am nervous about Triple H is can he make stars? And I don't mean people who are like over mid-carders, but like, will he commit and go with somebody? Because the thing with Triple H is, is um, throughout his career, whenever it's came time to commit to somebody, he usually can either be a bit too wedded to the prearranged plan, or he he starts to find faults with them. Mm-hmm. And the thing for me is, for all the issues Vince, uh, Vince had creatively, I mean, obviously, you know, there's serial abuser, potentially corrupt, you know, all no, all, all that all the stuff that's forced him to resign in disgrace is still there. But for all Vince's limits creatively in his later years, by all accounts, all accounts I've read, when 
Becky Lynch got hot, he was around. He was the one who ran with her. Now, she would not have been in the position to get hot if it wasn't for Triple H doing the Yodman work mm -hmm. in terms of supporting her for NXT, um, giving them, you know, giving the likes of her and Sasha and Charlotte the time on NXT, you know, supporting them on the main roster. But when, the, when, when it flipped, when it was clear a connection had been made with the crowd, it seems Vince got that quicker than any, anybody else. And that's the thing that I worry about with Triple H. Will, will he know when it's time to jump on a star and make them the be-all and end-all of the promotion? Because fundamentally, whilst there's a lot of things to be said for having a deeper mid-card where everybody has stories, you do draw based on your headliners. And you have to be able to make headliners to a star. And I worry whether Triple H has, is able to do that. Yeah, I can totally, I can see that. But I do think he, from his work in NXT, to me, he showed, he's someone that shows more faith in people than Vince does. So that makes me feel like we could get more stars in this era because I think he's willing to bet more on people themselves and give them the chance, even give them the chance to like sink or swim than, than Vince traditionally, you know, has. Or does he bet on his storyline? Because again, this goes back to the Becky Lynch stuff, which I think is one of these, you could write a book on the machinations for that, uh, who was going to get to face Ronda Rousey at that WrestleMania. Like I think it's mm -hmm. I think it's really underwritten and you know, you know Bruce Mitchell on this side, uh, Dave Meltzer, Brian Bravan Alvarez over on Western Observer, so clearly pushing against anything that made sense. Um, in terms of pushing for Charlotte over Becky Lynch when it came to yeah. that match, or pushing for the triple threat, and we and, and look, we all know why. We all know who was pulling the strings uh, for that. Um. I, it felt to me sometimes that the plan was Charlotte would get to face Ronda Rousey and Triple H couldn't let go. Whereas Vince was like, Becky Lynch is more popular. I break all my promises all the time. I, I think Becky Lynch should get the match. And that's what makes me nervous. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll absolutely see in, a, in the time to come. Um, and, and, and it should always be said, I, you know, the WWE's going to be more competent. The, the show's going to make more sense. I think we've already yeah. seen that with the shows already. And even if WWE burns to the ground, it's still worth getting Vince out, given what he um, um, has apparently done. Yeah, like, I feel, feel just easier watching it. Like, not to... Um... Uh, like diminish what Vince has done by my use of language, but I mean, it feels like there's a big ick factor that's been removed from watching it. You know what I mean? Feel like a little less dirty now that Vince is gone. Yeah. Um, and like, look, you know, look at the stuff he puts on TV, like whatever you say about Triple H. Um, he's never had 
anybody do the type of ang- any woman do the type of angle mm. that uh, Vince had women do um, uh, to him. Um, yeah. Like it's it, when you actually, I mean, it was discussed at the time. You know, like Sky Sky uh, Sky Sports would not actually air the Trish Stratus angle in full. They edited it. This is a pay TV channel here in the UK. Refused to air the angle. And then now you just look at it. And and I I said this on uh, Rebel Spotlight Spotlight, uh, a week ago. You know, Trish Stratus turned around and said that was sexual harassment, which in my opinion, I think it was. Um, You can name a price. How would WWE defend a lawsuit against that? You should never have been asked to do that. No. Um, yeah, no, it's going to be interesting, and I and I do agree. You know, I think that that new faction and bringing Dakota Kai back, who like how she was fired after yeah. all she had done, and like done to revamp herself as well. And I and I like the pairing with Bailey because I think Kai, like Bailey, was somebody who had been pigeonholed as, oh, you can only be girl next door, baby face. And actually, in NXT, she she shows she could be more. Bailey has shown she can be more as well. And I I have uh, I'm optimistic for that that faction, particularly yeah, if uh, Bailey and uh, Naomi come back because it's one of the things people always forget about because we've all, you know, understandably, memory hold the pandemic era. You know, um, Sasha and Bailey were the little linchpins. Of uh, of WWE TV, like their feuds yeah. with Asuka and Carrie Sane, that was basically the good stuff to watch in WWE. Yeah, Bailey was my absolute MVP of the pandemic era. That's why it was so such bad timing that she was injured right before they went back on the road because she she had done so much in that period and she'd really just developed. I think she got her character perfect at that period because you had the transition from her being, you know, the happy girl Bailey, and then she became like what people would call emo face Bailey. And I think once the pandemic happened and she had that bit of space to play around with things more, like that's when she really truly found herself. So it's nice to have her back now and see how that will all translate with with the crowd. Uh, it's going to be interesting. We're going to go because uh, we have we have always, uh, when I'm in charge, gone over our, our allotted time. <laughs> you will soon hear the dulcet tones of Rich Farm and Martin Bushby and Benno and my nasally East Midlands uh, voice once again. Uh, before before we uh, uh, bring bring the uh, the show from two weeks ago up on the feed. Once again, where can people find you, Steph? Well, you can actually, if you go to stephchase.com, that's stephchase.com, that has links to all my stuff on there. It's got my YouTube links, all my social media, OnlyFans, my store, everything. So I guess that's the easiest, stephchase.com. One-stop shop for all your Steph Chase needs. Indeed. Big thank you again, uh, Steph, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, Thank you so much for having me, Will. I've really, really enjoyed it. And I love being on the torch. Yes, absolutely. We'll have to do it again at some point soon. And 
as there won't be an outro, well, actually, no, I will record an outro at the end. We have to place this both together. So you will hear me at this time after we've spoken to Rich, um, Benno, and Martin, which you'll hear now. <laughs> early good evening for folks here on the east coast of the United States. Oh, trouble is well, there again, Rich. <laughs> it is 8.05. Such is my love uh, for you two, and such is my love for Will, and of course the kids. I eschewed at Arsenal. <laughs> um, this is one of the few times Arsenal's actually within like driving distance for me with a preseason match. And uh, I was like, nope, no Arsenal. Martin and Benno need me. I have to get here. Rock and roll. <laughs> I, must admit, I, I heard a list of about professional podcasts, and I was like, yeah, that's not what's going to happen for the next hour. <laughs> Anytime you're watching WWE Raw or SmackDown or AEW Dynamite in particular, send us an email if you've got thoughts on the show or a topic you want us to address or a question for us. Wade Keller Podcast at PWTorch.com. Wade Keller Podcast at PWTorch.com. If there's anything else going on in pro wrestling that you want us to address on our main podcast during our mailbag segments, that same email applies. Wade Keller Podcast at PWTorch.com. We invite that interaction. Let us know what you think of what we're saying and let us know what you want us to talk about and ask us specific questions. Wade Keller Podcast at PWTorch.com. Uh, so yeah, it's great to have both of you, uh, you guys on. Rich, I believe at, uh, at AW, you and uh, you and Steph ended up uh, next to each other catching up. I heard some uh, some stories that I hope she wasn't too much of a handful. Oh, she was amazing. <laughs> As I mentioned to Will, it was great to talk to someone I've only corresponded and knew through like the occasional, I guess, post-related party game or. Uh, grapple chat or something like that mm. so it was great to sit there the whole night we had a great time talking uh she no she was she was brilliant and uh blessings to you for being her official moving assistant i know she <laughs> mentioned how uh tough that was and it's like yeah he's just doing it himself I was like god bless him See, I, just the like, thing. I, I just like the fact that <laughs> benno celebrated the 12th of july by bringing a last from island over to his uh orange order lodge <laughs> don't you know what genuinely though like steph was like oh i don't, I don't want to be in belfast because you know there'll be the uh, the orange lodge going around and stuff came here and on i went into town on the on that day and it was just full of people in orange they were marching did, past my house um, did, you, did, like, you have your, did you have your fashion as well <laughs> hey i was very young when my mom used to drag me to those marches so I, wouldn't <laughs> do it. I wouldn't do it these days but no that's the thing those uh me and steph yeah i've been moving uh moving her up here so she's uh, she's settled up now, but like she's posted all these pictures on on Instagram and Facebook of you know in front of the van looking all, looking all hot and stuff. And like I was gonna, I was literally gonna quote tweet her with an Instagram versus reality because it's like there's me with seven boxes under my arms about to about to die <laughs> trying to drive it back from London to Liverpool, and she's looking all glamorous. But no, it was a team effort, and yeah, we uh, we got her up here. So yeah, we got it. We got her away from that London will. So you know, I think that's a, that's a good thing. It's only a good thing. I, you, I, 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 I thought I'd been able to listen to you guys all day because mm. um, as of Thursday, my grand, my my mum, their grandma, my mum was going to keep my son for the weekend, and mm. my stepson was going to go to his dad for the weekend, mm. and then my my mum rang up to say, 
you know what? We're going to drop off Wario tomorrow. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And then Braden's dad called up to say, oh, actually, Braden's going to come over on Sunday rather than Friday, originally planned. And so, like, I've only been able to, like, sneak in, listen to you guys, <laughs> because I've had, like, two children bicking with each other for the entire day. But I listened to uh, Brian Elliott. Thankfully, caught it just as he stopped talking about Catholic Rock and actually talked <laughs> was talking to you about wrestling. And then, obviously, I made I made it a priority to listen to the World Transfer Window. But I was mm. thinking, you had the debate between Matthew and Gareth about whether it's about the best show or about drawing money. Go, go try and pick a card that's the hottest card around. You know, mm. get your hook, get your get, get your Noah or Dragon Gate or DDT guy. There, there is a there, there was a there was a lane that people were missing where you just pick people based on their raw visual charisma, or just based on how old they are on Twitter. I knew I should have got Chris Brooks in. I knew that much of them in there. <laughs> Chris Brooks, this is hook. <laughs> Maybe draft an F one driver or something like that. Appeal to the uh, the hardcore stuff, folks. But yeah, no, that was that was a fun. But is it become obvious? Like when when we're doing these, like if it, if if I'd say if Marvel comes up or Martin's talking about music, that's when Ben has gone for a piss. Um, <laughs> me and Brandon <laughs> talking at uh, WrestleNomics. That was uh, Martin's excuse to uh, to stretch his legs for a few minutes. We've got it down to a little science, you know, these little uh, back channel DMs we're sending each other just to, you know, to take those little 10 minutes uh, here and there where we can. And I, th- I feel like getting you on, Will, was like, that's just like, this is like an hour now. We, me and Martin might as well yes. go back to sleep. Yes, I mean, I mean it, should be, it should be stressed before the chat just disappears. Trust me, guys, I'm going to play host. I'm going to talk about Rich because Rich is more interesting. Please don't leave. Um, but yes, the DMs have been flying, and I think this is where the two of you are going to disappear. Whether that's because Martin trusts me to mind a shop, whether it's because. Oh, no, he Benno... doesn't. That's why I'm staying. <laughs> whether, it's, whether it's because Benno doesn't want to talk to me, who knows? <laughs> who knows what? what the truth is? No, I've got a I've got a just eat order on the way from a friend's kebab house near me. So I'll be, I'll be around, but uh, I'm just just making sure you uh, you stay in your best behaviour, will because well, I've heard we're going deep on this one. It, it, uh, before we before before we get to Rich's story, mm. um, I did have a bad delivery experience today. I mm. I, I, I ordered delivery from Sainsbury's. I didn't get my Sicilian gin in. Because I had a bottle of wild turkey, which I have drank, and I was going to have some gin to, to drink whilst this show was on. And um, sadly, Dangerous was out of Sicilian gin. So I had to do another delivery order Oof. to get myself. And I'm having to drink Captain Morgan's rum, which is, you know, it's not the best. You know, I, I could do better, but I couldn't at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night. But anyway. These are the type of tangents that give me a bad name. <laughs> this is Saturday, and you know what Saturday means? Saturday means it's a deep dive. The program that is all based on what Vladimir Lenin said, which is everything is connected to everything else. And we're going to talk to Rich Farn. How are you today, Rich? Good. I cannot and... complain. This is this is very like I'm 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 feeling very surreal right now with this whole thing. But yeah, I'm right. I'm going to roll with it. 
Well, basically, Rich, what I'm hoping to do is get the audio of our hour, and that means there's a fortnight where we don't need to do anything. Oh, well played. Uh, um, but, Rich, you have came from a charity softball game. That's some interesting people there, didn't it? Yes. So, as I mentioned when uh, I first came on with you guys, I eschewed the uh, Arsenal match in Baltimore, which is about four hours from Pittsburgh. Uh, currently, it's at halftime. Arsenal's up 2-0 on Everton. Well done with Jesus scoring. I feel a lot less anxiety going into the season. But one of my best friends in life uh, works for a law firm, and his firm sponsored a charity softball game which featured several Pittsburgh Steelers, a couple of Pitt Panthers, and Adam Schur and Britt Baker. And so I spent the first half of it catching up with my buddy, with my wife and son. And then uh, it, it was it, this, this is going to tie into one of the other subjects you had mentioned, Will, and that's why I thought this would be a good thing to open it. Uh, this kind old man comes up to us and he's asking us what we think of the baseball park because it's an older baseball park here in, in, in Pittsburgh. It's about an hour away, Washington, PA. And I'm telling him we enjoyed it. We're here with a friend. Turns out it's the owner of the stadium and the team. And he takes us on a tour and he's like, you know what? If you guys want some uh, autographs or pictures, they're not really doing them, but I'm going to get them set up so that if you guys want to get them, you can get them. So I'm sitting there with my son, Trey, and I decide to ask him and he's like, okay, sure. Whatever. He wants a couple of Steelers. I show him, you know, Adam sure who is, just, you know, everyone else looks like outside of the American football players, everyone else looks like normal, you know, athletes or celebrities in softball gear. Whereas Adam sure looks like a giant human being who's had an outfit painted on him. And I'm like, Trey, you want to get a picture and autograph with Braun Strowman? And he looks at him and he looks at me and he looks at the owner and then he looks at him and he's like, nah, I, 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 I always like Mustafa Lee better. And <laughs> I, I, I mean, it was just very, and the, the God bless the man because he didn't know who Mustafa Ali is. Sure knew, sure did not seem too happy about that. <laughs> we just like kind of meandered our way to some of the Pittsburgh Steelers and other people. Trey also plays ice hockey, uh, which, uh, you had on earlier during the world transfer window and the draft, Alan Cunahan, Alan's wife is an official member of Trey's hockey team. He sent her a shirt and some stuff and a letter signifying that she's an official member. And so he went to go do his hockey practice. And uh, I stayed with my buddy to get ready to watch as much of the game or the stuff as I could before I went to do this. And the owner uh, asked me what was the name of one of the players that Trey wanted an autograph from. And it was one of the Steelers. So this guy comes back with a Frisbee signed by the Steeler. And I'm like, this is some quality service. Not only have you like gotten us this backstage pass to meet these people, but you went and got an autograph from my son who's left your event early just because he thought it would be cool. And I, I, I guess I'll turn it on you all. Uh, how many owners in any wrestling promotions you know would be that level of customer focus without it leading to something horrendous years later. Oh yeah. The other thing is like, um, I mean, the, 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 probably the closest I had to a friend in the wrestling industry 
Um, and certainly somebody, at the very least, full of friendly acquaintance would be Martin Zaki of Fight Club Pro. And we all know how that story went. Oh, dear. But it's all, it's all okay. He got promoted in his shoot job last uh, a couple of months ago. So, yeah, speaking out. Good job, guys. And, and I guess speaking out is a good place to transition into one of the first things you wanted to talk about today uh, and kind of revisit, which was our chat with Andy. Yeah. And that kind of kind of happened. And I think it is worth saying, because this is where... I was the person who came up with the name the Benoverse, um, which is what well. this, yeah, <laughs> which is what obviously this live stream is in part a celebration of. Um, and one of the reasons is the, the weird interconnections of all the different podcasts and how somehow Benno was at the connection of them. Even my show, my old show, the Brit Rest mm. Report, that was Benno's idea. Benno was a guy. Why don't you know? Why does the torch not have a uh, Brit Rest podcast? You should pitch for one. And Benno was the one who uh, gave me the name. And um, Sorry, I, don't you, I don't know if you remember, Rich, but um, there was a big deal where Andy Cruden, and this was at a point when Rope were like actually doing content for the Patreon. And he had answered some questions about speaking out on his Patreon. And mm-hmm. so Jamesy, which is he, Jamesy slagged off Andy Crowder on Twitter for talking about speaking out behind the paywall. And Crowder was like, look, well, basically Crowder was like, I can't be asked to cut to cut the bit that I should put up for free um, away from the rest of the question. But if anybody wants to interview me about speaking out, I will do the interview in a free podcast. And BWE was going to do a audience Q&A. But I got in and Andy agreed to an interview with me. But obviously, of course, my show was a VIP show. So I went to you because we've been doing some stuff quite frequently um, on the deep dive already. And like speaking of a big thing, I think we just in the show with Sean Radican on Radican Worldwide when we kind of went through the whole thing. Um, Andy's up for doing something. Let's do an interview together because if we do it for the deep dive. That means it's free, and it kind of means Jamesy won't shout at us either. Um, because no one wants James to shout at people. Um, oh, he still shouts at me because I'm an Arsenal fan. <laughs> or I guess stop shouting at me after the Arsenal-Manchester United match. It's okay. I get it. <laughs> but um, And so so that was what was, what was arranged. This would be, it's just coming up to the two-year anniversary of this interview. Because it'd be, I want to say it's roughly July, August time when we did the interview. Yeah, it would have been um, the end of July going into August because it was yeah. the first attempt at a trip during lockdown that we made to a cabin in the woods where no one could be near us, which yeah. also uh, gets later in the story to be a fun aspect of this. Oh, yes. 
what did you make about being uh, kind of having an interview with Andy Quilder thrust upon you? Oh, well, I mean, this was part of during the pandemic with lockdown, uh, an effort for my mental health, ironically, to try to do things that I could enjoy that could also, you know, illustrate to my son and my wife that we can do things like as long as we're kind of safe, we can do things we enjoy. Like this is an internal thing. You guys know how much I like wrestling. I'm going to do this. Wade's giving me more opportunities. Will's a cool guy, yada, yada. Uh, Additionally, I was, you know, heading out for that vacation. So I figured, okay, there's going to be a couple hours. And equivalent's always someone I've been interested in, especially as one of the few black promoters, let alone uh, in terms of uh, a relationship with New Japan, but uh, across the pond, you know, here in the United States, I know I, I hadn't known at that point too many black promoters of a professional wrestling organization that had as much uh, buzz about it, had as much going on with it. And so I thought that'd be a really cool opportunity in and of itself. The speaking out aspect. Uh, I knew that he had had a relationship with uh Skrull and Osprey, but I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't as plugged in as clearly as you guys were. <clears throat> And so I was over the moon. I thought it was going to be a really cool opportunity. And I figured, Hey, we're going on this trip. I'll take Friday off. Let me, you know, only it's only going to take like an hour or so I can pack and then have the car ready. So when Melissa and Trey are ready to after school, we can just hit the road. Nope. Yeah. I said it would be an hour. Cause that will, <laughs> that, will ta- that will, that will take some uh, uh, fun things as we go later throughout this. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it is worth saying that because we were talking about. I think, and I think we did the interview on a Wednesday, but the plan was that we would record on a Friday to top and tail it. So we do the interview with Andy, which right. we assumed would be not too long, and then we would do like our our introduction to it to set the scene. Because obviously. Most of you know most of the pro wrestling audience wouldn't know who Andy Quilder was, um, and may not be as aware of the, the British perspective of speaking out. Um, and then we talk about what we thought about what Andy had said. So, so that was our idea, and and I think and I and I've said this I think before, unfortunately. Um, I wrote the question primarily, and I I am very used to writing questions for people who are less verbose because most most I mean, you know, both you Benno and you Rich, you you've interviewed wrestlers as well. Most wrestlers are actually quite tactile; they don't yeah. actually like talking, um, you know, without notes without a persona and so actually you need a lot of questions to work through and so I constructed a question 
to kind of ease Andier so that he would then be open to answer the real question. And you actually look at the interview, he does actually say, oh my God, you, you, you're trying to eat, no, you've been trying to ease me into a false sense of security and now you're springing your trap. Um, so like he realized what I was trying to But the problem is obviously, and he is not tactile. He is even more verbose than me, even more verbose than the Ogdens combined. Like, you know, as somebody who listens to his podcast with Andy Simmons, he, 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 no, he can talk and he can talk and he can talk. And what made it even worse was, is he had, this is a, sorry, a bit of slightly obscure British reference. He had determined on a masochism strategy that when Tony Blair was caught, uh, taking dodgy loads, so dodgy donations of Bernie Eccleston of, from Formula One. Hey, John. Hey, Way. Um, hey, Sheldon Grab Kid. Um, when, when, he, when Tony Blair was caught taking dodgy donations of Bernie Eccleston, he basically set himself up to be beaten up by journalists, and he'd take any question, no matter how bad it made him look, because that's what he felt he had to do. And Andy Crowder had basically said he was going to do the same thing. And the thing, and nobody will believe me about this, the thing people don't realize about the interview, which went, what, four and a half hours? Yeah. That ended because my I was the one recording it. My laptop was about to run out of battery, and my, I, I was struggling to charge it. It would have gone on for another two hours if I could have charged my laptop because Andy was determined not to end it. He would he would have kept going as long as we wanted to. And it's mm-hmm. only because my, my laptop was about to go that um, the podcast ended before the five-hour mark. Yeah. And, and it's interesting looking back on it now and to your point, how open he was with his answers, how uh, verbose he was and descriptive he was. I mean, I, I, I remember him talking about Will Ospreay and saying essentially, you know, he's not the brightest crayon in the box and Will by, would say that by his own admission. And it was just like, oh, I've never heard, you know, at that point I had interviewed several wrestlers and a few promoters, but I never heard someone so bluntly honest and so willing to kind of fall on the sword for a lot of things. You know, same thing with when he was talking about uh, bringing in Squirrel and, you know, this guy's in my wedding, but I I can't use him. I, and he still hasn't, if memory serves. I I and that was remarkable. And I think... As interesting as it was, as the time ticked on, it wasn't something, to be quite honest, in the moment, it didn't feel like four hours. It felt like we sat at a table over lunch and did a conversation that just kept going and going and going. And it hit. And that was the thing. It wasn't like your questions. And, you know, I think credit to you for that. Your questions in no way were benign or anything or anything like that or banal. They were quite good at getting him to open up and he was quite open to opening up. So it made it a, a perfect storm. And uh, I think, I guess that's where the next stage of this came because 
you know, as I watch Arsenal, uh, I think about with football last year, especially Arsenal versus Everton, you know, having a player <laughs> not mentioned and then, you know, things of that nature, uh, kind of having different laws in the UK when it comes to issues of uh, the speaking out nature versus the United States. Him being as open as he was about some of the cases led to people complaining about uh, basically doxing potential victims, uh, being too open in terms of giving information out. And uh, I guess I didn't get that until about two days at camp where uh, it was just a big old mess. Because if there's anything I've learned about Twitter, people are going to be quite uh, civil and cordial if there's a perceived slight and, you know, nothing ever will be uh, taken in a way where in which they, they think it's only the best intentions uh, for the person involved. Well, I think as well, I mean, there was an issue where we, we don't, obviously we don't control the upload of our shows. Mm-hmm. And um, it's Corey, who is Pro Wrestling Torch's producer. And, and, and he's a saint. Um, um, and, um, and he's just a lot of uh, nonsense, I think, for the two of us, but uh, particularly <laughs> me with uh, weird shows being sent to him um, when, I'm on the, when I was on the road with the British Wrestling Report. But um, he was away. No, he was, he was, he was, he was, he was away. And so, and Wade was away. And so it was like, when those issues came up, it was actually quite dramatic because we were, you know, you were away. So I was, I was interrupting your holiday. Um, um, Wade and Corey were away. So I was interrupting their holiday. Meanwhile, all I wanted to do is watch the last day of the Premier League season. And um, I think it was the last day of the Premier League. Just, yeah, it could be, it'd be the late end of the season. Right. So I think I was watching the last day of the, I wanted to watch the last day of the Premier League season. And I've been denied that opportunity. And I think the thing is, I think there's two things. I mean, we won't, obviously, we can't talk about the thing we got wrong because that would, right. that would repeat mistakes we made. We did get something wrong. Mm-hmm. And we are extremely, I am extremely, it was my mistake. I am extremely sorry. For like letting that slip through, and to be fair, I think I'm pretty sure Andy queries whether we can talk about that, and I say he can, and I was wrong. The more general thing of oh, you're doxing, you're gossiping, you know, blah 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 blah, complete nonsense. It was never true, um, and I think it's been proven not true true, I think the people who said that should be thoroughly ashamed of themselves, because if Andy Quilden had been gone credit for um, rather than being shouted at, you'd have, you'd, have, you'd have had created pressure for other promotions to do this. No, we pinned him down on what he was going to do about various different things. You know, if you want to shout at that red throat, you don't want to spray. You, your, your, your Rosetta Stone, your primary source should be that interview me, me, Rich did with Andy Croydon, because Andy Croydon said was going to get Will Ospreay to do various pieces of training, 
Mm-hmm. And I know, because I've asked Andy Gordon, he's, he's not done that training. That is evidence that we have because we, were, we asked the deliberate question. No, Andy Simmons. Uh, I don't know whether Andy would have ever tried to bring back his best friend onto commentary, but I'm pretty sure that him being asked directly, oh, are you going to bring him back? And having to say no at the height of speaking out and the kind of, you know, more, the, the justified moral outrage made it more difficult for him to row back on the correct position he had taken. And this is what we should have been getting. We should have been holding promoters, holding their feet to the fire, asking, what are you going to do on this case? What are you going to do on this case? And, you know, like, then like Paul Robinson. So many people forgot that Paul Robinson had a mark against him. Like, I, I remember, I was one of the few people whenever progress will be kind of doing stuff about that coming back. What's the status of the Proteus title? You've not you've not stripped from the Proteus title. Is he still in good standing with progress? Even though he's got this allegation against him, what's going on, guys? So yeah. But to go back to the thing about we don't control the upload. We didn't know if this was going to be split in two. Um, and again, I was quite adamant it shouldn't be split in two because the first half is actually quite a lot of soft questions. Mm-hmm. It's all the setup. And so, you know, if you're told, okay, this is the interview of Andy Crowder, uh, you know, Cross Nixon of uh, speaking out type of style, and then you hear us ask, the questions we asked. You'd be right, the hour. Uh, but the problem because we didn't know what was going to happen, we never did the shoulder material that was the plan. The, so my plan was going to be is that we would have had a transcript summary that would have actually kind of placed in context what has been discussed. And unfortunately, we no, we no, we found out it was, it was going up when it went up, right? And when and when our notifications were going crazy, and by the time the firestorm had ended, it was like there's there's there's, there's no point to do any shoulder material. It would just be making you know, you just be giving people more points to be angry at you. But uh, before I bring Rich back in. The one thing I'd always say is, I, I, what shook me was the age gap of, of the reaction, because I think old farts like ourselves saw that as what it was, which was basically an anti and shoot interview. So I said, like, I think that naturally, if my, my laptop hadn't got, it'd have been a six, seven hour podcast, which is what shoot interviews meant to be. And I and I think the pacing was like a shoot interview. Yeah. And the way Andy Croden was talking. Mm-hmm. And I think the, you know, again, the Jordan Grapp kid didn't get what a shoot interview was, didn't get the language pace, and that's why they reacted so badly to it. 
PW Torch is now on YouTube. Check out our relaunched, revamped, and reinvigorated YouTube channel after many years sitting dormant, collecting dust. And now it's back, shinier, brighter. It smells better. It's our PW Torch YouTube channel. And you can check out daily news updates, the weekly fireside chat with Tyler Sage and Zach Hadorn, and my Keller commentaries. The first Keller commentary was my rebooking of WrestleMania 38's lineup. I used all the same wrestlers, but none of the same matches. And I tried to make a better two-night event. Decide for yourself. Go check it out. YouTube.com slash PWTorch. And be sure to hit subscribe and like our videos. Yeah. And you, you, I think the age gap also came up in how people addressed it. I think it's a difference between someone like uh, Jamesy kind of like taking the task, uh, the, the pay structure and kind of putting truth to power. It's, it's a lot different where it's just, this sucks. You guys suck. Everything sucks. Or some of the DMS I got from folks who also report in the field about uh, incidences they had been involved in, in terms of, you're giving cover to someone and making them humanize. Like, well, no, no, that's not what we did. It, I, I argue, Will, actually, I hadn't, we haven't even talked about this point. You brought it up and it made me think. I'd argue if folks paid attention to it and the way in which it was presented and done, we wouldn't have had to deal with the mayhem that was the debut of uh, Jay Lethal and AEW. Because there wouldn't have been this belief of now is not the time to ask a question about his allegations and higher ability because you would have had an example that you could point to and say, hey, this is an example. If we ask these questions, they were answered and then go from there. No, absolutely. I think. I, I think uh, there's a lot of stuff I did over speak now. I just look back on and it's just like. You idiot, you've ruined your life for no reason. Like, I love Twitter. I am one of those weirdos, those basic people, basic people that actually generally love Twitter. Um, I looked at my stats yesterday, and I think over the last 28 days, I did 860 tweets, which was down 30% last month. So, like, this is me in a quiet mode for uh, <laughs> tweeting. Um, I love Twitter. I know you do too, Rich. Um, I do. Uh, which is even more impressive because you're much busier than I am. But speak that that period. I I I did kind of I go into love arguments that were very bitter and you know did you know did kind of affect my mental health. Um, and it was because I was trying to use Twitter to change things, and it's like. WWE killed a guy. They killed the best wrestlers of time, the younger brother of one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, and that changed nothing. Why do you think you, with your Twitter, can change anything throughout this industry? You know, you do what you can, but you shouldn't get... No, you shouldn't believe your own power too much. Uh, but the things I look back on, why did we speak now? I think, yeah, that was worthwhile doing. If I had my time again, I'd still do it. It would be the article about uh, Money McKenzie. 
um, which is a type of, again, it should be said, that type of article I would have done more of and more allegation until we had this kind of idea that explaining allegations was doctrine. Like, no, you should, we should be, we should put on record what people have done because that's the way people know. Um, how no no the bad things wrestlers have done, so they can be excluded. But I think that'd be one. It'd be the show me and you did with Radican. It'd be the show we did with Andy. Um, I, I, I helped Sean with some reporting over the uh, over the month school stuff and some um, associated stuff. And then it would be the all party. Uh, parliamentary group oh, I did on my own stuff back. but like everything else just like <sighs> and again like it's, it's one of these sad things where you wouldn't be a nice guy on Twitter and particularly when it's a serious issue that's uh, that, 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 you know that cuts very deep but like I'd gone a day of being very apologetic very accommodating and you literally had people saying that, that, that they were going to kind of organize for people to do me. And eventually I just had to come, you know, mm-hmm. the, see you next Tuesday. I am. I actually am. And, and start like throwing punches back. And funny enough, when these cowards started to get punches thrown at them, they went away very quickly. Um, and it's, you know, it, I hate stuff like that. It just, I don't like to be encouraged to be the worst person, the worst version of myself. And that was those episodes. I was like, yeah, you know, I've, I've tried to be very accommodating. I've tried to be very understanding of people who don't like what I put out. Just, I think, as you know, we are creative people. Reviewing is a creative art. Um, we should take a good humor, criticism of our art the same way wrestlers should take our criticism of their art in good humor. But it was only when I started calling people out on their BS that they went away. Do you have any final thoughts on the interview of Andy Crawdon before we get into your top five Brit Plus wrestlers? I don't think so. I think you hit on the biggest thing, the, the, the fact that there were folks, and we see this, I, I said it tongue-in-cheek, but we see this all the time in Twitter with situations. Folks start jumping in with no involvement just because they want the endorphins of a a good pile-on, and it then gets away with them when, you know, the this, the subject, as, as you did, decides to return fire, and then it becomes a, hey, you're not allowed to do the thing I'm doing to you. It's great. I mean, I mean, I mean, Benno's probably eating his takeaway now, but um, me and Benno literally have a Shadow and Grant kid discord that mm. was just an interference against us and was just about attacking us constantly. Um, uh, it, it, it was a crazy time. Um, and hey, look, he was all vindicated because, you know, progress was great, repro was bad. Um, progress to make any morally questionable decision when no. they started, and everybody lived happily ever after. 
oh, wait, no, that's not what happened. It was the opposite. But anyway, we're going to go into your top five Ritwest Plus wrestlers. And we should say, Ritwest Plus, this is Pro Wrestling Torch Law, Pro Wrestling Torch post pay-per-view roundtable law. So you and Todd Martin were discussing um, who, who was it? Sheamus. How to describe Sheamus? I believe so. Yeah, is Sheamus a Brit wrestler? Is he's from Ireland? So you, so Todd suggested Brit wrestler. So these are Rich's top five Brit wrestlers wrestlers, and we'll, of course we start with five. So coming in at number five is. Uh, I'd be Doug Williams. Ooh, go on. Why Doug? Uh, Doug came into my life at a time where uh, I talk about this a lot and everything with myself and Wade. Uh, I'm a big moves, uh, a nerd when it comes to wrestling and the innovation. And the chaos theory was something that I my brain stopped working when I saw it the first time. And so as the more I saw Doug Williams, the more I liked the more I saw of him in the indie scene, he would seem like another guy that was in that long line of British or uh, non-American wrestlers that wrestled a style that spoke to me in terms of uh, he was the boots and trunks guy. But I think as is American tradition, because he's a boots and trunks guy with a foreign accent that gives him like bonus points for us. And so he, uh, between whether it was TNA, uh, any, like I said, any of the indies around here, or even starting to get some of the, not necessarily streams at the time, but some of the tapes that featured him in other promotions around the world. It was really cool to see him and watch his, uh, his, I guess, ascent as much as he could get. And then, you know, even now seeing him pop up in shows is something that's a personal treat for me. Kind of like for the same people who were happy that Slim J got a match at a, one of the dark, dark matches uh for AEW this week uh because he's like a legend here in the indies in the united states just a guy that you never thought would go from the tapes to now the hd world of pro wrestling today is there a way that you could counter a chaos theory into a uh an agent drive well no, the pt Williams. All right, so let's see. He's getting you in the corner. He rolls the first time. I think the momentum would not allow you to do it. I, I, think, I think you're talking about great finishers of TNA wrestling. It's, it's Canadian Destroyer. Canadian yes. Destroyer, Chaos Fairy. If you could do a sequence, chat, if you could think of a way Either move could be counted into the other. Please let us know, because I think that would be an hellacious sequence. I, Doug Williams is a, like an interesting guy because I think he's he's almost not Brit Rez because he's... I, I know, like, I mean, there's this one that Dan Reed, of course, he always says, you know, the phrase Brit Rez was created by a pedophile because, of course, it was Brit Rez. Um, but Doug Williams almost before that, 
he kind of he didn't make his name in Britain because British Indies just you know, like NWA Camelot. It was it was such a lean period to see. He made his name with nowhere, then going to America. So, like, I personally don't have any great emotional connection to him as somebody who wasn't following Noah. I think by the time he got DNA, he wasn't really following DNA. But um, I've no, I've seen him several times because he's 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 made the ability to do lots and lots of retirement matches. Um, <laughs> I saw him at Trent Seven, which is pretty bad. I saw him against Will Ospreay. Well, God bless Will Ospreay. He was doing his best. Um, you know, he's probably Will Ospreay's biggest carry job since the Vader match. Um, but yeah, no, no. To have the career he had at the point where British wrestling was, was genuinely incredible. Um, so number four, Rich. Okay, so because we didn't do a pre-show kind of prep for this, this is this one is kind of a... I have him here, but it's a fully an asterisk because I don't quite know much. It's the Benoit rule where I don't like to honor people, but I, I have to be honest and say he was a very influential person into my Brit Rez following, and that would be Marty Skrull. <laughs> but you were going to lead it into it. I did, Oh, my God, it's Marty Skrull. You, you would have heard of this because you had the softball game. Um, they had the uh, world wrestling transfer yeah and uh, uh matthew edwards the great matthew edwards picked benoit for his fantasy wrestler, uh, 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 roster oh my and uh, you are you're almost equivalent to matthew edwards in more ways than what You don't have to wait for the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show to find out what I thought of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown each week. You can check out my reports that are updated live throughout Raw and SmackDown at pwtorch.com. My written report will tell you what's happening in detail in case you missed the show. And it will also analyze key segments and give my random thoughts and quips on what I am watching as it airs. So check it out every Monday night and Tuesday night at pwtorch.com. That also applies to WWE pay-per-views. I cover those live at PWTorch.com with a detailed written report with star ratings. And of course, you can find other TV reports from other contributors to PW Torch, such as NXT, ROH Impact Wrestling, and more. Check it out, PWTorch.com, your first stop for TV and pay-per-view written reports. Um... What, what 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 made you pick Marty School? And as we said, this is you know the veil of ignorance. So we're talking about not what Rich knows now, but what Rich didn't know then that made him like Marty School. Yeah, and that's what pulled me in. Marty was the gateway to almost all of what I consider actual Brit res promotions that I now follow or had followed at the time, but whether it was RPW progress, uh, any of the work he did in the U S uh, that that's he was the gateway drug to other people. And it started with, I want to say it was an art of wrestling interview. He did because I hadn't been aware of him. And then it dovetailed into the fact that much like the Miz, 
he was a wrestler that had done reality television and again, much like Miz milked it to try to help his career. And I don't remember the show. Do you remember what the show was? Will? you probably have more familiarity with I, 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 no, I'm blanking on it at this time. It, it was like a date. Te- it was like a date type show, which again allowed him to show his personality in a way. And then from there, guys, if anybody in the chat, it was the thing. It wasn't the violence because that's um, that's take a guy. Take me out. Thank you, Martin. Mm. Yeah, take me out. And so that was what pulled me in. And then uh, I actually just uh, dropped some clothes off for donation. One of them was his uh, villain shirt because, yeah, can't be doing that. Uh, no, I, let the poor kids wear a nonsense shirt. That, that's very charitable. Listen, I, I'd rather that they are warm and they can figure it out for themselves later than to just merely throw it away and I just have a landfill with a shirt that could potentially warm a person with need. I figured that was my, that was my, my uh, Occam's razor to the most efficient, most helpful thing to do without, you know, because clearly I could have thrown it on eBay or, or thrown it on Twitter and someone who wanted it for fandom purposes would have grabbed it. I figured the place I donated it to, it's usually for folks here in Pittsburgh that are uh, homeless that kind of just need a, it's like a halfway I, house almost. I, um, uh... Very quickly, Marty. I, I, he was obviously a very good character. Uh, he was actually showing his ability as a wrestler on the main stage before the very justified cancelling for um, hitting a blowjob of a sixteen-year-old. in the UK, 18 is the, is the alcohol legally and Monty School was aware of this this, this girl's uh, past experience of sexual abuse so like, his counselling is very justified but he um, he was really showing his ability as a wrestler, um, he had some really great matches, Nick Order um, that have been uh, that because of the NWA, they get the kind of the, the widespread look they deserve. Um, and like, it's, it's crazy to think, you know, you know, not for speaking out, where would Moscow be now? He'd probably be in a very prominent position in AEW. He's almost certainly the biggest star to be brought down by speaking out, and certainly so. Uh, screw you, uh, 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 I can't his name now, but the uh, goofy Italian guy from WWE. Number three? All right, so number three is a gentleman. Uh, just to interject you... here, sorry, 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 yeah. guys, just a quick timeout. Um, obviously, you know, time is of the essence here, so if, Rich, you want to bang through yeah. the last three, because I think you've got about sort of seven minutes left. But, yeah, no, uh, I, 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 I was aware of time, Martin, don't worry. That's all right, moving thank on. you. Yeah, sure. So, in the interest of being full American, I will just speed through my final three. So, uh, first of which, uh, number three is Chris Brooks. You just mentioned him a little earlier at the beginning of our our time frame, and uh, I thought he was an interesting fellow to me. Again, as I got into the uh, entryway drug into progress into 
uh, RevPro and to some of the other promotions. Uh, and then you mentioned Schadenfreude, who, who are not a cult, as we were well aware. Uh, I enjoyed CCK. I will go with the uh, the version he had with. Uh, uh, let's see which who who which version of CCK is the Gresham least like but I'm gonna go Gresham because uh, yeah, Banks and Lycos are kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go with I Banks. Mean, okay, I'm sorry, Gresham. This one I will I will quickly talk about. Yeah, because obviously Brooks is a reason we started doing podcasts together because I don't know like LeBro had done the big Shadow Freuder storyline, the big War Games match, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, Rich, you should watch this match, and we should talk about it on a deep dive." I'd like to get it out to the wider audience, and that's kind of what started our collaboration. Um, it is interesting that he's coming back to the UK for the first time in years, and you know the shows have sold out. Um, you know, I, you know, over the, like Benno, I've been a believer in this book as a draw. I am, as a single wrestler, I'm not convinced. Um, I've watched some of his stuff in DDT, and I remain unconvinced. Um, I, I think he's a bit too formulaic. He doesn't know how to pace his offense. I'd like to be an intergender wrestler, because obviously in intergender matches, he just tends to get beaten up a lot. Um, um, and, he, and he's great at that. But as a tag team, the the I don't know. I, I this is not maybe this is what we can pick for a deep dive in a future episode. Uh, Rich, mm-hmm. I think we are past peak Gresham. I've been quite disappointed with Gresham over the past eighteen months, um, and that disappointment actually began earlier than that because Brooks and Gresham in twenty twenty. No, 2029, even. Sorry, 2019, even. Uh, Gresham books weren't that good, whereas in 2018, books and Gresham were awesome and brilliant. Whereas for some reason, 2019, Gresham decided to be Lycos. And I love Lycos. Less so now, because he's doing bad stuff. But I love Lycos with, Gresh- uh, with Brooks. Gresham is not like us. Gresham is his own guy. Mm-hmm. And um, I think this was the way. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Brooks is a very interesting guy. And we're interested to see what happens um, over the next couple of years and what he decides to do next. He ends up being somebody who just works CDC for the rest of his career. Quite possible. Number two. Number two is Session Moth Martina. Uh, I got introduced <laughs> to her during the. Uh, okay, you're trolling Jamesy now. To be honest, I, I'm not. I, I'm try- at least I'm not intentionally trying to. And I know time's short, but the long and short of it is, I enjoyed the natural progression series when they had it. I thought she did really well, and then as she created a character, it was similar in many regards to here in the United States. You know, when you look at um, uh, ODB and and kind of her built beer swilling devil may care attitude uh but as i watched her especially as she started to get in better shape and she started to do a little bit more like wrestling and a little bit less character stuff i actually thought she has a lot going for her. and it was one of those things at the time with women in brit rest where there was such a it was either you're a valet or if you are trying you might be a legacy person and then i hear so many complaints about the legacy people 
And then you had the other folks who were allied with people who have now been found out to be lacking in speaking out and all this other stuff. So she was someone I just thought everywhere I saw her. And when I saw in the UK, she was fun. Then I see her in the United States and she is probably top five wrestler. I've had stupid conversations with after a show in terms of not trying to get a story, but just trying to see how a person thinks. And for those of you who don't follow me on the tort side of things, I'll be quick and go to my first person. I had a conversation with Austin theory that has forever soured me on being made of inner in the WWE because in evolve, he had trunks that said unproven. And I asked him at his table, why would you want to be an unproven theory? And he looked at me like I had three hits. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I agree. Like Martino is a great live act and he's very charismatic, but a terrible, terrible wrestler. And I, I saw a really great Martino match once and I'm pretty sure Don Willie slipped me Mac magic mushroom, but knowing it. Um, your number one wrestler, Rich, your number one Brit wrestler's wrestler. Okay, so this is going to be a person that probably doesn't count as Brit Rest, but he was more so than David Boy Smith, more so than Gentleman Chris Adams, more so than I'm trying to think of any other person growing up that I knew that had had a background in the United Kingdom, Johnny Smith. Okay, go on. Johnny Smith was one of the first guys. Uh, when they had the British bruisers and some of these other wrestling, uh, when I first started co- collecting tapes, him in the Indies, particularly uh, working around the world and then working in all plant pan. Uh, I had just read pure dynamite and read how much of a scumbag uh, Billington had been by his own admission. And then when I saw that uh, he and uh, Billington were teaming, I wondered like, why would you do something like that? And then, uh, then, you know, his injury came. And so before I could even get that answer, he kind of disappeared. And so I, I just, he just, again, I was always a guy as a wrestling fan. I got attracted to wrestlers that might not be the most flashy, but if you had a move set or you had a personality in the ring, it was an easy thing. Like I could have cheated and gone with Regal and I know our time is now short, but I feel like that's an easy one for anyone to say, uh, but he's like the ultimate model of that. But I think guys like Smith, guys like Doug Williams uh, did it and they didn't necessarily get as much of a spotlight as Regal has in modern era. Thank you, Rich. Where can people find you? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Rich underscore fan F-A-N-N. You can find me on the Pro Wrestling Torch, typically doing my show Everything with Rich Fan with Wade Keller as the host. You can find myself in Will with the Deep Dive. And in, in August, you can find me here at Post Wrestling with the venerable WH Park Cup covering MCU later for the comics. And uh, you can find me at Atwood Falling. I have a fortnightly follow-up in cita.m, uh, which is a London business paper. Uh, so every every other Thursday, you can find my follow-up there. You can find my writing about politics and pop culture on itcouldbesaid.substack.com. There's a politics podcast called It Could Be Said, uh, which you'll find on Spotify. And of course, in addition to doing a deep dive with Rich, um, the next episode which will be with Liam Doom, who the Benoverse will know from the Grapple Chat, where we'll be talking about the intersection between wrestling and cricket. Um, I also do the deeper dive 
which the next episode, which I'm hoping to record some point in the next couple of days, will all be about Chris Benoit. And I now will turn you back to Martin. Hey guys, thank you so much. That was excellent. I mean, um, I, quite an interesting uh, top five there. I mean, um, when did you first discover um, Doug Williams of interest, Rich? Oh that gosh, I want to. It was. I think it was TNA. I'm looking up now, real quick. I want to make sure because uh, there's also Doug Williams, so I'm a big fan of. That was the first black quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> no, it would have been Ring of Honor. It would have been Ring of Honor because at the time, Ring of Honor was just coming around the United States and they had tours here in Pittsburgh when I was in college. And so he was one of those guys who showed up and I was like, holy crap, because he had a match. Uh, I want to say I saw in one of their tapes uh, him against Reckless Youth. And Reckless right, Youth, wow. was one of those wrestlers, I will stand on a stack of whatever you find to be holy documents. I swore that guy <laughs> was going to be top of a card somewhere at some point. Can, can I just say, I've noticed a lot of Americans get tripped up about Ben Wallace being our uh, sexual state defense. Because apparently Ben Wallace is also a great uh, basketball player. Legend. In basketball. Legend, mate. Absolute legend. Ben Wallace and the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was the people's team when they won the championship, wasn't it, Rich? It was. It absolutely was. Like, I'm a Knicks fan. And so I, I am used to absolute heartbreak, but I was happy to cheer for the Pistons the year they won, because like you said, between Ben and Rasheed Wallace, those are two dudes who everyone respected and they were just grinders. They did it the right way. They had the bottle as I'm sure you guys would call it. And so I was really, I was really happy for them. Oh yeah, definitely. Any last thoughts before you get out of here guys? Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate you coming on and supporting the stream and helping me and Benno out big time. Really, really appreciate no, it. Um Obviously, as somebody now works in the NHF, it's a shame it's not going to uh, my fellow bureaucrat, but the Children's <laughs> Art Surgery Fund is a very worthwhile uh, cause, and I hope people donate to it. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, that was the deep dive for this week. So, that was a special two part episode. Great talking to Steph back on Tuesday. Great talking with Rich to Martin and Benno two weeks ago. It's all there for you to, to all there for you to have listened to. I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be back with you on the Daily Cast with all the great Pro Wrestling Torch pro, uh, programs during a week. And the deep dive will return either next Saturday or a Saturday in the future. Watch this space to find out more. Bye, everyone. Now you can subscribe to our VIP podcast lineup within the Apple Podcast app using your Apple account. That's new as of March 2022. Just search PW Torch in your Apple Podcast app and you'll see the PW Torch Daily Cast logo show up. That's our free show that's been around forever. And also the PW Torch VIP Podcast logo. There is a free show every week. So subscribe even if you don't plan to go VIP and get a sample of our VIP tier programming. But if you click subscribe, then you'll become a VIP member instantly with a three-day free trial, after which your Apple account will be charged. So you don't need to take out your credit card, debit card, or go anywhere else. If you listen to our free shows on Apple Podcasts, you are five seconds away from being a VIP member with a three-day free trial. So we invite you to check it out. That includes dozens of VIP shows throughout the week, including VIP versions of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post shows and podcasts and daily casts. All those episodes are presented to VIP members with ads and plugs removed. 
along with VIP exclusives like our post-pay-per-view roundtables, the Wade Keller Hotline, The Fix with Todd and Wade, everything with Rich and Wade, and many other VIP exclusive shows. Just search PW Torch within the Apple Podcasts app. A lot of you listen to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows who haven't watched the TV show we're talking about. A good way to catch up on what happened on the TV show is with my VIP-exclusive Wade Keller hotlines that follow Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. In fact, as soon as I wrap up recording the post shows with live callers and my co-hosts and our on-site correspondents, I send that off to the producer, and then I record the Wade Keller hotline, running down Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown start to finish. And it's not only a full rundown, a thorough rundown of what happened on the TV show, but also my analysis of the key segments and matches throughout the show, including opinions that I don't express on the post show. So as a VIP member, you can listen to that hotline first, which runs 20 to 40 minutes, and then jump into the post show with full knowledge of what happened on the TV show. That's just one benefit of being a VIP member. Another benefit is when you listen to the post show, the ads and plugs will be removed. So change up the way that you listen to our coverage of Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown by starting with a VIP Wade Keller hotline and then flowing into the Wade Keller post shows throughout the week. Go VIP pwtorch.com slash govip pwtorch.com slash govip rates start at $9.99 a month or get a full year for just $99 you can also get the Wade Keller hotline through our Patreon tier that's just $6.99 a month details on that are at patreon.com slash pwtorchvip